0: Boy, you listen closely There's a secret
1: Hello and welcome to Critical Support, your source for highly conditional, heavily caveated, completely correct takes on basically anything. Uh, I'm Jacob. I'm Teresa. I'm, I'm Gabe. Preston. Oh no. <laughs> All right, you first. I'm Preston. And I'm Gabe. Great, yeah. And so this week we have a somewhat different type of episode. We have th- another themed episode. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but first we have... Uh, a couple of warm-up topics we are going to do to um, get ourselves potentially having fun, maybe.
2: <laughs> I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> I, I know a lot of times when we record, it kind of starts out a little eh, a little bland, and then it gets better. So I think that's the general point. But anyways, so, Teresa, what is our first topic?
2: Okay, and now I'm second-guessing myself as usual. Uh,
1: (laughs) Just say it. Nope, nope, just Just say it. Send it. Full send.
2: It's related to the topic we will do next. I don't know whether it's best to discuss it before or after, but do we wish to extend our critical support to the use of the term Karen?
3: Oh.
1: Yes. (laughs) 100%. I definitely think so. Yeah, I, I, because it 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 has such a like uh, like with boomer, it has a like it's not inherently a class thing, but it has a class valence. So like when people are talking about some Karen doing some doing something shitty, they're talking about like some serious like middle class bourgeois nonsense.
3: Yeah, I think like upper middle class white woman, right? Like that's sort of the implication. I think so. Yeah. Uh, I, recently, I heard Elon Musk described as space Karen, and I thought that was wonderful.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so on the face of it, it's funny. What does it mean?
0: Well, I, I think the reason to extend critical support for it is because even though there's this, you know, there is kind of a Demeaning connotation to it. And I do I imagine if you were actually named Karen, you know, it would probably make you feel kind of bad. But honestly, I mean it's just it's like the the demographic of upper middle class white women is just is is a group that is really not being systematically oppressed in such a way that we need to be very thoroughly considering all of our language choices and and possible jokes or microaggressions or something like that, you know, it's like, it's fine. Like, I'm just not that
1: worried about offending the Karens. (laughs) But what about the Bernie bros, Gabe? I feel like they are, they are doing patriarchy against the Karens.
3: (laughs) Against the Karens, well. They are doing a patriarchy. Yeah, no, I'm, I think the reason why, uh, I would critically support Karen as opposed to my past, uh, skepticism of, say, uh, generational politics is because I think Karen is more explicitly class. I mean, it's got class valence, but I think more more so than like okay boomer does. Because Karen implies a certain class position that boomer doesn't necessarily or that boomer only does now, but like if you described boomers like 10, 20 years ago, it's got a different meaning than it does now. Whereas I feel like Karen is more universal. It's Karen's like, "Oh, that."
1: The archetypal boomer is someone doing something dumb online versus the archetypal karen is someone in a customer service situation.
3: Yeah. And I mean, I don't I feel like it's not explicitly it's not explicitly white women. Like my mom is definitely a karen sometimes. <laughs> and Asian karens, I don't know what we want to call Asian karens, but they definitely bring the fire to poor customer service people. <laughs> 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 not all the time, but Sometimes. But yeah, I'm I'm struggling to think like Kim, I guess. Like I no, but that doesn't have the same
1: anyhow. Is there like like what is the uh what is the stereotypical name for like middle class middle aged Asian woman? I feel like I don't I don't actually know. Yeah, I have no idea. I mean I just, yeah, as as if there is one inter like as if <laughs> there are like Asian names. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, okay. And then that gets weird too, right? Being from, you know, three out of four of us not being Asian, it becomes like a, an out group thing. If we were to like find and use whatever the Asian equivalent to Karen might be. Uh, yeah. No. It, that's it does. a lot more. That's a lot more tricky because like, with white people being the dominant group, it's like a punching up thing. It's like there's not. You yeah. don't have to feel. You don't have to like wrestle with it internally. There's not. I mean,
3: a little bit, but not that much.
1: Yeah. the The closest equivalent would be like uh, talking about whether Tiger Mom is racist.
3: Oh yeah. No. That that is probably. I mean, that's probably something we should discuss at some point. Um, no. Yeah.
1: yeah right. Right,
3: but yeah. No. That's. I think that's a very close analogy. So yeah. But we can just say Asian Karens, which is I think covers the base just fine.
1: Okay. So we we acknowledge that. Uh, the term Karen as a type of person is uh, not inherently race bound. There are there are Karens of every uh, description, Karens of every race. Yeah, right. There's oh. male
3: Karens too. I mean, oh yeah. I mean, Elon Musk is space Karen. Yeah,
0: male right. Karens. You right. Know.
1: Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so critical support for the for the term Karen is there general agreement? Yep. I'm with it okay i mean i feel like this was not a hard sell
3: (laughs) no but it was good to
0: explore important is an important subject right it was
2: mostly in light of that facebook post that you were showing me earlier in the day about how using the term karen is the equivalent of using the term n-word
1: oh right one of those like karen is the n-word of the white women or something like that right well that's like the joke is
0: like well if one word is like you literally won't Say the word, then that's clearly the worst one.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, oh, okay. In this person's defense, their post did say, did refer to the K word. And oh my God. <laughs> you know, that, that person's canceled.
3: With a K. Canceled with the K. Yeah, <laughs> yes.
1: Oh man. Canceled Karen culture. So,
0: okay, so we, we, we got, a, we got a, a topic submission. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and you know we are a little bit slow to get to it, but I suppose it's it's about time, and I guess it is related to Karen's um, kind
1: of in an
0: indirect sense. Jake, could you could you give us a, a brief overview of this of this topic?
1: I mean, honestly, probably not, but I'm <laughs> going to try, and then we're going to make a decision based on the highly incomplete and flawed information that I remember from reading uh, some kind of. Um, clickbaity news article about okay. two weeks ago um so there's this uh sort of celebrity chef named i think allison roman or ronan i think, roman. I think it's roman you think it's roman mm-hmm. okay allison roman who does like celebrity That's right. yeah uh, she does like celebrity chef things she has a cookbook whatever but she doesn't like she doesn't have a a brand beyond that she doesn't have a show like that that sort of deal and so she was giving an interview and the, the person was asking her like okay what's next for you and she expressed like wanting to expand but not wanting to like turn her life into a like turn her life into a brand and she called out uh marie kondo and chrissy Teigen as two people who she did not want to emulate the direction they had taken where, like, especially with Chrissy Teigen, like, she had a cook, like, she was a supermodel and then she wrote a cookbook and then she now has like an entire lifestyle brand of shit. And then, mm-hmm. um, so there was this whole controversy as like the uh, Instagram hordes uh, commanded by the great queen, Chrissy Teigen, pursued and attempted to uh, destroy and cancel this person. And she apologized and blah, blah, blah. And it was, Bullshit, but um, yeah. Do we extend critical support to um, Allison Roman's criticism of Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo? That was that that was the topic submission that was given to us.
3: Okay, so wait, I, my first question is: When she's critiquing that, is she saying I just don't want to do that, or is she saying she thinks that's cheap or dumb or stupid?
1: That's the thing because in her initial criticism, she was pretty harsh about like it being kind of gross or ridiculous or something like that. And then when, but she backed her at that and said, "No, it's 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 actually fine. It's just not what I want for myself."
2: Yeah, and she was harsh in her uh, in her sort of presentation of her criticisms of them. uh, Kind of, but she did also point out uh, the sort of um, hypocritical character of Marie Kondo's brand line product line. In that, the her whole thing is about people getting less stuff and so it's kind of ironic that she now is encouraging them to buy things from her.
3: Yeah, Mari I mean Mari Kondo is a whole I we should probably have a whole critical support for Mari Kondo discussion because like it's like the commodification of not having commodities. Like it's really weird. <laughs> like it's it relates to our discussion of minimalism
1: from a couple of months ago. Mhm.
3: Right. So, uh, but anyhow, to the, so, okay, in the initial critique, she was very harsh um, to Chrissy Teigen and Mari Kondo.
0: Okay, I'm reading
3: articles about this right now.
0: <laughs> like about, you might have, you might have mentioned this because, yeah, I was like skimming through articles. So you, you, you might have said this, but it seems like a lot of the controversy is specifically because Alison Roman, in her critiques, she singled out two women of color and she's oh, white. Right. Yeah. And that the, seems to be it, it. that seems to be like the biggest element that's making people the most mad about it and the most
1: upset about it. I mean, granted those are not two women who I don't know how to say this in a like remotely tactful or okay way, but um, <laughs> they're 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 pretty white for not for not being white, they're pretty white. Like, oh damn, you're about to I unleash the Twitter horde on us. I don't think <laughs> like okay Another thing I saw related to it was this is when a bunch of people found out that Chrissy Deegan isn't white because they just thought she was white. So. Oh, that's funny. Hmm.
0: I think it kind of reminds me of like uh, the controversy of like uh, Beyonce's clothing line being made in Sri Lankan sweatshops, you know? <laughs> and how people are like, how dare you as a white person critique, you know, Beyonce for, you know, that like, I mean, it's just sort of, it's, it's like, I guess, I don't know. Uh, to, to me, I just, like, don't see any celebrities as inspiring or humans. Like, I guess, like, to me, it's like once you reach a certain amount of wealth and fame and power, like, you're no longer a person whose feelings and labors I, I, I care about. Like, that doesn't mean I don't enjoy anything that's made or listen to any, you know, popular music or watch any big movies. But I just don't really care about the people at a certain point and their rights to be defended or whatever. But to me, this doesn't represent, like, such a a broad attack that it's, like, attacking the entire, you know, entire communities of color who are being represented by Marie Kondo or Chrissy Teigen.
3: Sure, but, like, I also feel like
1: that's not a basis to support someone either of, like...
3: No,
0: yeah, I just...
1: Yeah. yeah. You're saying that uh, being, being dismissive of, like... Did Paul corporate wokeness is not a sufficient basis for your <laughs> politics Preston <laughs> what sue me you know
0: that's it that's the um, end game of socialism
1: yeah <laughs> um but yeah i mean it it, 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 it is interesting though in, in and it's there there's an element of it that's kind of like this was a like very minor celebrity critiquing or not critiquing speaking dismissively about a couple like honestly you know, some of the most prominent, like, media personalities of, I don't want to say of our time, but, you know, these are... Cultural phenomena. Yeah, people who are very wealthy, very successful, going to be set for the rest of their lives. Right. Um, You know, they can take a, like, minor celebrity chef kind of being snide. It's not, you know... Yeah, also, I mean, it's just like, let's
0: be honest, like, there's some people who love branded personalities and they buy those kinds of things and they're not going to be dissuaded from buying branded for buying personalities you know by some celebrity chef and the people who already are like yeah I don't like sellouts they're not you know they already don't like sellouts they already don't like people who are you know made their whole life into a brand so it just like it just Mm -hmm. seems like she's kind of staking out her sort of celebrity political position but I just I just can't see this like like her comments having any kind of meaningful impact uh, on either of their fortunes or celebrityness. Yeah,
3: yeah, like it definitely is like making those comments is not is yeah it's whatever. But also like keep it to yourself. Like there's just no need for it either. Is it's it it's just kind of unremarkable on the whole. (laughs)
1: Like, <laughs> this whole way. thing is unremarkable. Um, yes, yeah, so where where do we land on this one? I'm kind of ambivalent. I'm also ambivalent.
0: Yeah, I guess I'd have to say no critical support because I am so ambivalent. Like, critical support implies some level of support. Um, <laughs> it's I'm in not, the name. Yeah,
1: I'm not is.
0: I'm not against her, but I don't right. know, I don't support her either. So, I guess no critical support. Same. <laughs>
1: I don't know i feel like there's there's some validity okay i i think that someone should be able to look at a famous person that is that has sort of taken one route that they could have taken and say i don't want to do that i don't i don't like that i don't think that that's respectable yeah i think that should be fine so yeah i would say critical support oh
2: yeah i'm kind mm. of the same opinion like it's critical because she didn't really need to be quite as uh harsh about it, like that was maybe unnecessary, but she could I, I, I agree that um, she should be able to like differentiate herself from, you know, other people in the same uh, sort of category of lifestyle uh, influencers, quote unquote, um, and say, and you know, it was a it was a honest answer to a question about how she wanted to conduct herself in the future, what's next, whatever. And, you know, she was spe- speaking off the cuff about how, well, she doesn't want to do these things, and here are two examples of of this of this that I want to differentiate myself from. So, yeah, I would extend critical support.
3: Yeah, I guess where I am is just like I might, it, it, it's fine to critique things. I mean, it's literally what we're doing. But it's just like, I just have no support for Roman. And it's, so it's like, I'm, I'm really going to support a New York times, you know, cooking journalist. Uh, I mean,
2: Have you looked up her cookbook? It's actually, is
3: I, it really good?
2: I did. And it looks, it's really actually kind of cool. It's, um, it's like something about unfussy entertaining, something along those lines, but like, it looks really, it's like they had a bunch of sample recipes, um, uh, and they looked awesome. It's basically how to, like, entertain without, like, having to buy really elaborate things or spend a ton of time in the kitchen or spend a ton of money, and they looked delicious. So, I, I mean, I felt briefly uh, interested in getting the cookbook, but then it went away. <laughs> Because I don't really Mm. buy cookbooks. (laughs) Um, But yeah. So I guess that the point is to say that, like, as far as somebody in the cookbook world, she's uh, putting out non-gimmicky and kind of useful stuff that looks like it's good. So in my opinion. But your your points are still valid.
3: So this is going to be, like, the most... Dispassionate tie vote, I think we've ever had.
1: <laughs> well, okay, so are are you two sticking with your? your eh, you know, honestly,
0: um, you know, this just shows how little I care about the issue. <laughs> I because I'm I'm I think uh, Jacob and Teresa both made fantastic points, so I'm gonna switch my vote.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, if you care about this, like if you really don't like this topic, then you'll not want to talk about it again. And a tie vote. <laughs>
0: Yeah. That honestly uh, occurred to me uh, as well, an additional <laughs> component of my answer. Okay. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to no. It's a genuine, uh, you know, change of heart here.
3: Okay. I'm going to stick to no, just for the reasons I cited, mostly because I think there's more, I don't know, independent cooking, you know, media sources that don't try to start beef with other bigger cooking media sources um but you know i'm i'm okay with this i mean it's it's a no but whatever
0: well there you have it folks uh, go ahead and buy Allison Roman's cookbook
3: yeah we're going to go is out
0: sponsored by us
3: <laughs> <laughs> man it better be the other way around i hope she sponsors us like this is like some free advertising right here
0: So, you got to do the intro again?
1: No, we still have the Zoom thing.
0: Okay, but I mean, I guess it, it, yeah, okay, I guess. It would just be, it would probably be nice if we had them all, if we had an intro. Yeah, I
1: don't Okay.
2: It. It's easy enough, right?
1: Okay, once again, welcome to Critical Support, your source for highly conditional, heavily caveated, completely correct takes. Hopefully this one won't crash.
0: I made him redo the intro, so he's upset about it. (laughs)
1: my computer's stupid and i bought a new one a lot that long ago and i'm then pretty annoyed that it's dumb and it's like I, I don't i don't know what you have to do to get a computer that won't be stupid i, I don't uh, know learn
0: how to code and get a linux or something well preston you have linux are they dumb
3: no they're generally fine but uh, there's not much in the way of applications how about that <laughs> <laughs> There's no garage band of Linux. And,
1: you know, as I'm saying this, there's some Someone's angry a- nerd thing. I mean, someone must have made something.
3: Oh, yeah, no. Uh, there's someone made something, but it's. Uh, they all have the same energy as. Uh, uh, well, no, not all of them. I guess I'm just saying, like, open source development has a very, like, culty vibe. Like, they're very, like, it is free because it should be free, which means, like, a certain kind of people are writing that software i see so if you ever want to if you ever want to have a trip on like learning about the pioneers of free software you can learn about this guy named richard stallman who is um extremely eccentric oh
1: i've heard of richard stallman
3: you've heard of richard stallman
1: yeah i mean i've i've i have read every xkcd comic i've i've definitely heard of richard stallman
3: oh okay Gabe, you're on mute, by the way. So I've
0: heard of him. I, yeah, I realized I was just gonna say I. Sorry, I have not heard of him. Was what I was saying.
3: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. He's a he's a character. I think one of my favorite facts about him is if he's going to a conference, he would like to stay with someone who has a parrot, but does not specifically requests that if you don't have a parrot already, you should not get a parrot. But if you, you know, if someone does have a parrot, he would prefer to stay there. Like, that's in his rider. Like, that is his statement of, like, anyway. So.
0: (laughs) Like, let me crash on your couch for this conference. Be great if you had a parrot, but don't get one if you don't already have one. But I'd really prefer if you did. (laughs) <laughs> i'm richard Stallman. basically
1: yeah exactly We're, that's very uh-huh. professional that's that's quaint that's cute you know that's if you're fun. going to tell people that you want them to have a parrot that is the best way to do it like that's, that's <laughs> that is that is a very responsible way to go about making that request yeah yeah yeah, I feel like we need to do, like, a critical support for Richard Stallman just because
3: he is a pioneer of free software, but he's also fucking weird.
1: I mean, we we, we just need to do a critical support for for open source at some point.
2: What is the relationship yeah. between that him and XKCD?
1: Uh, XKCD often has content about open source software. And oh, okay. That sort of thing. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I didn't know who he was. I just heard the name. yeah. He's as
3: weird as those comics say he is. Well, speaking
0: of computers.
3: <laughs>
1: Ooh,
0: segue. Yes.
3: Our, our, uh, our, our theme
0: for the episode is the fully automated luxury space communist society known as the United Federation of Planets. Basically, this is our Star Trek episode. Cue theme song here. Can someone
3: hum it? What? Can you can you hum the theme song? I actually don't know it off the top of my head. Going where no man has
0: gone before.
3: Include random shots of Kirk shagging people. You
0: know, like nothing like getting laid with a blue alien space lady.
1: Or green, or red.
0: Yeah, or we don't ready. care what color it is because this is Star Trek. They've moved
1: beyond race, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's that. That is that is the exact degree of wokeness that early Star Trek is. Of like, it'll a hundred percent still be the like charismatic dude who every woman wants, but he's not racist. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that's about the level it was. I mean, so the early Star Trek series is, is laughable in so many ways like as even as a total nerd who has watched every single episode I don't really enjoy watching the original ones because they're like so corny and so campy and so cheesy like I can only enjoy them if I'm just like really fucking blazed and just want to watch the <laughs> cheesiest thing ever because they're just that corny but like I think it is important at least to acknowledge that they they did have a real impact in their time like the, the actress who played Ahura who was like She was the black lady uh, communications officer. She was actually going to quit the show, you know, to pursue other careers, uh, opportunities. Martin Luther King personally called her and asked her to please stay on the show because at the time she was the only black woman on TV who wasn't like a maid or something like that. You know, she was like an important crew member on this like, you know, intergalactic spaceship, that was like doing really important shit you know so you know for all its campiness there's like still uh there's like it had it it meant something
1: yeah there's progressive elements and i think part of the problem watching the original like I've, I've, i've i've probably seen more of the original star trek than i have of any of the others um one of the first things that uh my my dad uh, decided we all needed to watch when we got Netflix for the first time was a bunch of the early Star Trek. Um, <laughs> and so I've seen a fair number of the early episodes. And they're yeah. painful to watch. They're absolutely... Yeah. Like, it's 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 in the way... Like, TV used to be so bad. And it was yeah. all like that. It's like, every episode is completely self-contained. It's incredibly repetitive, incredibly low budget. All the, all the acting is super wooden and horrible. My
3: name is James Tiberius Kirk.
1: Yeah, and, and that's basically the way all of it was. And so, you know, it's like the, there's the problem, there's all of the, like, the ways that Star Trek stood out from other shows at the time, but when you look back at it, what you mostly see is just the way that it's like every other show at the time.
0: Right, and so, you know, and in the, and in the original one, too, it's like there's definitely a lot less, there's a lot less of a look into the sort of economics and politics of it, Um there's a lot, it doesn't go, you know, as deep into the sort of society itself that, um, that exists. And so there's definitely like this, when they rebooted it in, you know, the, I think 89 with next generation, from that point on, there's a lot more, uh, coherency between all of the different series, as far as like political structures and economic structures, uh, The original one is a little bit more of a free-for-all and they sort of broke with, you know, the whatever, the canon that was established, canon in quotes, that -hmm. was established in the 60s. But I think, like, uh, Preston sent a Jacobin article to us today that literally references Star Trek as, like, one possible, you know, reality for a future post-capitalist society. And I think it continues to you know, come up as in a, a vision for what the future can look like, you know, um, the society that they have created there. Did you guys have a chance
3: to watch through those clips that I sent? Yeah, I, I watched through it last night. Thanks for putting that together. It was pretty helpful.
1: It was, it was fun. Um, a lot of it was, like, really, I guess, uh, I feel like Star Trek as a show is very sort of, Character focus, like it's very much about like the interaction of these personalities. The world building is very secondary, and this is something I found intensely aggravating in the original. Watching the original series, that like supposedly like uh, Mr. Spock has like no emotions or something, yet the plot of almost every episode revolves around (laughs) him showing emotion and that being an issue. And 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 so. Like I, I, felt like I didn't actually get that much insight into the world that they're in from the clips because it was just so simplistic. And it's like I, having talked about Star Trek with socialists before, I, I kind of knew a bunch of it. Like I knew the gist. Like I, I knew what the the, the general gist of it was. Right. Um, but what I what I do think is worth appreciating about it is uh, the sort of pretty. Bold materialism of saying, "Okay, we're gonna have a replicator now, and uh, that's gonna actually completely change our society and make everyone like, uh, like change the political structure, change the way people act, change the like the basic, right. the basic sort of way that our society operates because of our productive forces changing." Um, Right. There's there's like almost like a vulgar Marxist element.
0: Oh, there's totally this Marxist element going on, which is funny because like the writers are so clearly not Marxists. Uh, Probably not economists either of any sort or have probably never taken an economics class. But there's this underlying like economic base of having nearly unlimited energy and a replicator that can create everything so that, that it eliminates, you know, most
1: jobs, factory. Transportation, you know. Um, I actually had a question about the replicators. Is it yes? Uh, what is it creating it out of? Like, is it just is it just so, like an energy uh, input, and the, then it makes the, anything out of energy, or? Yes. the
0: the The really nerd theory is that they can convert energy to matter and vice versa. That's how the transporter works. That's how you teleport someone from one place to another is by converting their molecules into energy. So it's like E equals M C squared, uh, fully realized, I guess.
1: Right. So. In order for replicators to change to like revolutionize your society, you still have to have like an abundant source.
0: Yes, it's all dependent on this like just incredibly large amounts of
1: energy,
2: which comes from where? Uh, you know, they never
0: really say exactly. So there's yeah, like, so yeah,
1: there's, like what is what is the what is the engine of a, of the enterprise? How does that?
0: So it's powered. It's the warp core, is is what powers it. There's, like, some kind of mineral that, that powers it, uh, which is one of the few minerals that can't be... Um,
3: cannot be replicated.
0: Cannot be replicated. Um, oh, okay, so basically, so their ships are powered by matter-antimatter reactions.
1: Um, Where do they get antimatter?
0: It's <laughs> In space somewhere. Right. So, I mean, right, obviously, if we knew how to create an antimatter-matter reaction... We could be living in the Star Trek society, but we don't. So they just made it up. Um, <laughs> like, I think I think the important thing to fixate on isn't, is this actually possible, right? Is it possible to have that much energy? And how technically could they do that? Because even if I knew, it's still fake. You know, it's still fake science. Even if, I, I'm sure some nerd has the answer to it that I don't have. But, so the, there's nearly unlimited energy, but it's not limitless like you hear about the limits on it like uh people have said like oh back when i was in college i used all my uh all my transporter credits to go visit my family every day who lived on the other side of the world like so they had like a rationed amount of times they could use the teleporter the transporter to go from you know one side of the planet to the other to visit their dad like they couldn't just transport everywhere unlimited times and just you can't just create unlimited food for yourself you know
3: like so it's like it's pragmatic post-scarcity but not like true post-scarcity
0: no it's post-scarcity it's not there's no scarcity
1: it's post-scarcity at a point
0: well i guess i don't know i to me the word post-scarcity like scarcity isn't the same as limitless right yeah that's true like scarcity means there's not enough there's very little
1: well but if you're still like rationing uh transporter trips that seems like not exactly post scarcity
0: okay but like rationing to the point when he like went home for dinner every single day in college and that used up all his credits in like the first year or something but like like okay so you can make a daily back and forth travel from san francisco to paris like that's a lot of energy
1: that that sort of begs the question of like what else someone would use their ration for if that's some, like, like, if that's one thing you can use your transporter rations for, right. what else could you conceivably be doing with it?
0: Yeah, right. Besides I mean, going across the could... world every day. Yeah. Well, and it's sort of, it's, uh, you know, it makes it like, it's not a big deal to, like, go to a meeting or go get dinner in a different continent, but it's a big deal to do that every single day.
1: Okay, yeah.
3: Yeah, that
0: makes sense. So I want to call, I want to call that, I would call that post-scarcity, but I would call it, I would not call it
3: unlimited. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Because I think scarcity implies that there's like a, like the main limit is something in the natural world, where really like the main limit here is just like, like how much can we do that? Or how much does it make sense to have that be a thing?
0: And I mean, also, obviously, I think a certain amount of it is like plot devices, like, if anyone can do anything and create anything, well, there's no plot. I mean, it's just like some kind of weird... That's that's like a weird sci-fi utopia that would be a whole different story.
3: Right. Like in the, in the clip you sent, it was like they literally could not create the ships to go save the Romulan refugees.
0: That's right. Yeah. So something like building a starship, uh, I guess, is apparently extremely resource intensive. And so this is something that's in the new series Picard, which... Jacob, you might enjoy it because there does seem to be a lot more of the politics and world building.
2: I was actually uh, the one that was most enthusiastic about it after the, seeing those clips.
0: Oh, yeah. It's great <laughs> because they finally uh, can swear in Star Trek. They can finally say fuck because <laughs> uh, it's not on network TV, I guess.
3: Right. Um, it's just on CBS All Access where no one will see it.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Well, the nerds will we'll see it. Don't worry. The nerds will
3: Based on the comments, they don't seem to like it, but... So, <laughs> so, no, like, yeah, that's, like,
1: that's why it was less interesting, because I'd, I'd, I'd heard almost uniformly that it was bad, but...
3: I
0: enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so in that series, there's, like, the planet Romulus is... Their, their star is going to go supernova, so they need to evacuate all the people from the planet. And they can't... Like, they have all these ships to do it, but then uh, this big base that they have on Mars is blown up. So all their ships that they're going to use to go rescue the Romulans are blown up. So then all of the like member states of the Federation who already hate the Romulans as their enemies, now that they say, well, now we don't even have the ships to do it anymore. So we're going to waste all of our resources and move every single ship you know, over Romulus. Like We need to stop doing that. So like that's sort of the cracks in the facade of the socialist utopia that you want to see in Star Trek is... Like, I guess it is very materialist in that, like, you know, the fight for resources and sort of them, like, Federation acknowledging, like, well, we're going to have this post-scarcity utopia for everyone in the Federation. But if your planet is outside, then you're on your own we're not helping you, you know. We're not taking care of you.
1: Yeah, that was sort of one of the questions I had: of like, what is the overall political, like galactic political structure here? If if this, if replicators and warp drives and everything, sort of, uh, completely revolutionized uh, all of the places in the Federation, what's going on elsewhere that they don't have this sort of egalitarian space communism thing?
2: Yeah. So sorry. Yes. Had
0: a, a, a... So most like a number of the other ones are basically autocracies uh, where there's like one main planet instead of like the Federation is set up as a membership system, like where planets try or apply to join and become a member state because the other ones are Imperial or more, I guess directly Imperial. So someone like, like uh, I guess the Klingons it's based on a, a home world, which goes out and conquers other people and then rules over them. And I mean I guess in a post scarcity society they don't need to conquer other people and take their
1: stuff but they do anyways. So do the Romulans have replicators?
0: Um yeah I think, as far as
1: I know. Then why don't they also live in a
0: post No they do but their their planet was just uh going to be blown up so
1: they had to get on but like why 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 is Romulan society autocratic?
0: Um they are they live in, uh, you know, it actually would be more closer to, like, a Stalinist kind of state. Like, everything you see from Romulus, there doesn't seem to be a lot of, like, poverty. There doesn't seem to be, like, economic turmoil. But there, like, definitely is all this, like, secrecy and surveillance at the surface
1: level. So are the so, Romulans coded as the Soviets?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that would, be, that would be fair. Like, either Soviets or, like, maybe, like, fascists.
1: Right. What You were saying something a little bit ago, Tressa?
2: Yeah. So a, lot, a number of the clips were from a series. Was it Deep Space Nine? I'm not sure. I but, think so. Uh, yeah. The, we're talking about the McKee or the McQuee or something. Yeah, yeah, what's, yeah. What's the backstory on them?
0: Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Um, I have to move inside because. Yeah, we just lost audio, Gabe, okay, by the way. Well, he's muted. So Sorry, my phone battery. My computer battery's about to die so i gotta plug in
1: because you don't have a warp drive (laughs) yeah or wireless charging or anything cool or a matter antimatter generator yeah (laughs) sounds like a dangerous thing to keep close to your crotch if you just had a replicator you could just make another laptop and then take (laughs) yeah
0: i could honestly it's pretty it's it's pretty fucked up actually (laughs) i blame i blame capitalism
1: (laughs) capitalism is the reason we don't have replicators Yep. Or is not having replicators the reason we have capitalism?
0: Yeah, actually, it's, it's more that one. <laughs> okay, the Maquis. So basically, the Federation got into a war with a neighboring uh, empire.
1: With the Kardashians. Uh,
0: Kardashians. <laughs> yep. The Kim Kardashian. Uh, and they basically, as part of their treaty ending you know, their ceasefire, I guess, they... Uh, ceded some of their territory on the border to the Kardashians. (laughs) And uh, the result was that there was several planets with a bunch of Federation citizens um, living there who were now uh, being controlled by a hostile force that didn't care about them and and wasn't going to take care of them and was slowly trying to, like, uh, displace them and annex, you know, and replace them with its own citizens on those planets. Um, And so those people were sort of like, they were still Federation citizens, so they could like move through the Federation, but they all like, uh, you know, they kind of had a underground resistance going, which Federation doesn't like them because that's like violating their treaty. And they see that as, you know, stirring up conflict when they're trying not to get into another
3: war. So the McKee are resisting the Cardassian uh, Car- occupation, and Federation doesn't want them to do that because that will drag them into another war? Yes.
0: Okay. But, but they, they, some, okay. but they basically live in, like, scarcity conditions. They don't, get, they don't have the post-scarcity utopia uh, because they're no longer in the Federation, and their new overlords don't
3: care about them, you know, to bring them in.
1: Right, so that's why they have real food.
3: Mm-hmm. Although they do have real food on the ships, it does sound like. Like, you can, there are some places to grow some real food. But it's yes. not, you can't just It's, like
0: a, it's like a luxury. Uh, people are like, oh, the replicator food is, just doesn't taste the same. So it's a moneyless society, which I guess people get some amount of money or credits to buy, like, luxury items that are, you know, beyond...
1: Replicator,
0: yeah, capabilities. beyond what you've been allotted. For example, Captain Picard's family uh, owns a winery in right. France.
1: In a, yeah, in their in their post-capitalist, moneyless right. society, his they family play- owns a winery. <laughs> 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 so you're you, you're saying that um, plantation capitalism will survive, but only in southern France.
0: <laughs> only uh, yes, only in southern France for wineries exclusively. Okay. So here's another one. So uh, the Bajorans, which is, that's kind of a main part of Deep Space Nine, is they don't have, like, industrial replicators. They don't have replicator technology. So they still have farms and a bunch of farmers everywhere, and they're kind of poor. And one reason why they might want to join the Federation is so they can get access to that technology and get industrial replicators. And able to transform their economy and that's sort of an ongoing theme in, in the show and the federation will just give it to them like i guess i don't know a plot plot points uh <laughs> but i think it's it's implied that industrial repli- replicators are are hard to build
1: you can't just replicate them
0: <laughs> one would
3: think one would think i think an industrial replicator you can probably create like a small replicator in that but you can't just create them
0: yeah that would make sense something big enough to to 3d print a starship you know
3: well i don't know wait can you create a starship from an industrial replicator
0: is that actually i don't know they don't really get into how they build starships so you see there's there's a number of contradictions
3: yeah like section 31 section 31 is crazy shit star trek has a deep state
0: (laughs) it's so deep that most people don't even know that it exists
1: Right, so this is like the Federation's Delta Force or something. Yeah, or like secret CIA. Like, yeah, I'm thinking like secret police almost. Yeah, I couldn't quite tell whether it was supposed to be like a militarized thing or like the NSA.
0: Well, they all wear black, like a uh, like fucking you know SS or whatever the Nazi secret police. But
1: the Gestapo. Uh, so it's sort of that's their vibe that they're trying to create. Uh, yeah, but it's like, are they are they military or are they intelligence? Or it's, are they- it's an
0: intelligence agency. Yeah. Okay. It's not. It's not part of the military.
1: Right. So it's it's more it's more it's like extra it's like secret CIA. Yes. Okay.
0: So it's uh, it's people at the very top of the government know about it, but they won't acknowledge it, even to like captains in in of whole ships. They won't acknowledge that it exists, uh, but they know about it.
1: And is it implied yeah. that this this Section Thirty One is like the real power in the Federation? No,
0: it's not. But it is implied that they have substantial capabilities.
1: But ultimately, do they answer to anyone, or like, are they just? Because the clip made it sound like they were just this wholly independent agency that does whatever they want but kind of doesn't mess with the rest of the federation that's basically
0: what it is yeah
1: okay
0: yeah they 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 do some of the dirty work uh that would be awkward to acknowledge publicly that that's going on you know like going and assassinating the leader of a foreign country or
1: developing a plague that kills a bunch of people okay right so this is this is the treadstone project
0: Yes. Yeah. This is, this is where Jason Bourne would,
1: would come. From. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's all, it's all making sense. And so. so
0: they're not really running the show, you know,
1: but. No. But. Yeah. They're sub subsur- They're just like, they're, 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 they're too small to run the show. Like, yeah, exactly. They're just, uh, whatever that it's just like Brian Cox in someone's basement, uh, imprisoning people in, uh, cages full of water. Like,
0: right. But if they decide to kill you, they will kill you, you know? Right, yeah. So don't get on their bad side.
3: I mean, is there an element of, like, the Federation leadership could totally expose them, and so they can't totally get out of line? Whereas, like, and on the other hand, like, Section 31, like, does need the Federation for legitimacy, and so they can't go out and do crazy shit. They just do some shit.
1: Yeah, is there ever a conflict between Federation leadership and Section 31?
3: So, um, there,
0: there is... Um, I'm trying to think like, so the problem is that like most people aren't even aware that it exists. Like they just learned about it because they, they tried to recruit one of the officers on the ship, but like, it wasn't even, it's not even the kind of thing where people are like, oh yeah, the government doesn't talk about it, but we all sort of know it's happening. It's like people literally didn't even know, like there wasn't even a, a suspicion of it. So, so the government like, tries to keep it totally quiet, you know? So that's ultimately, they don't want, they don't want anyone to know that it exists. Um, so the conflicts that go on, you don't really hear about. Like, there was a big kind of scandal because they developed a virus that would kill the leaders of the Dominion who they were at war at. And it was like, they basically created a biological weapon and had the capability to develop a cure for it. But blocked all the research from getting out that they had about it, and faked a bunch of research so that scientists who were trying to develop a cure were not able to create a cure. And that was you as you learn in Deep Space Nine, it, it was done with approval of the leadership of the Federation and of the military because they wanted it they wanted to win the war and they thought, you know, this virus would be a way to do that. But so it seems like they mostly just work together and have them do their dirty work, and they would prefer that nobody knows that they exist or knows what's going on. Right. Because it would be damaging for government officials if it found out that they're like, you know, oh, hey, we have this beautiful, of egalitarian society, but there's also this other little group, you know, hmm. that's doing, uh, doing our dirty work for us.
1: What was the really early um, secret police in the USSR called? Like before the KGB, the Cheka? The Cheka, yeah, that's what it was.
0: Wasn't that from uh, the Tsar?
1: No, no. The no. Cheka was established by the by the Bolshevik government to oh. so, like hunt down um, like White Russian collaborators and capitalist uh, infiltrators and um, what's the term? Saboteurs.
3: Sympathizers. Yeah. Yeah. So like. It's tough for me to sort of get a read, because, like, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where, like, within the Federation, things are generally pretty good, right? Like, hey, we got replicators, there is no want, you know, it's like when they when Picard was dunking on those businessmen, that was pretty satisfying, you know? It's like, hey, you know, or when they were dunking on the Ferengi trying to get off scot-free without rent. Um, yeah,
0: when he was trying their... to bust his union.
1: Yeah, exactly, right? Like that's cool, Ferengi. That we're definitely not some sort of ethnic stereotype.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's the vibe I get, and it's unfortunate. But it's It's like
1: very—it's very goblins from Harry Potter vibe. Yeah, Yeah. I mean the workers in the shop though are also Ferengi, so it's like it's not—it's not like a hierarchy. So
0: Ferengi and others.
3: True. Yeah. It's it's the multiracial working class. Yep.
0: But, yeah, like, it's one of those things where, Yeah, so uh, there's problematic aspects, no
3: doubt. (laughs) (laughs) In
1: Star Trek? Really? (laughs)
2: What were you Uh, saying, Preston?
3: Yeah, so it's, like, within the Federation, things are, like, broadly good, you know? They're, you know, the material base is, you know, like, where they can provide for everybody. They have replicator technology, I think where things get very difficult for the federation is when they start trying to like relate to the outside world and be like, Hey, like we want to have our socialism and communism here, but like, we also have to do things in the world. So they're very um, not Trotskyists.
0: Like they're very much not, uh, they do not believe in, um, they're, they're very much socialism in one country, communists, you know, they don't believe in permanent revolution um, they're not interested in trying to spark uh, revolutionary movements to build replicators in societies to get them to join the Federation. They're, they very much want to just keep what we have here and allow well-developed planets to join us as they're able to. But they're not really trying to start conflicts and uprisings around the galaxy uh, to get new socialist you know, countries
1: so the federation is stalling. <laughs> it's just <laughs> is what you're saying. It's like well, uh it, post post
0: in the, in, the, in that sense. So in it, it they're not trying to spread the revolution but they but they I mean there is like uh freedom, you know, individual freedom and yeah. d- democracy internally. Like actual like what are the de- oh,
1: sorry, what are the democratic structures of the federation?
0: Uh so I mean Right, right here's here's where you see how liberal the writers are. Like, what basically their political system is like copied from the U.S. Um, it's like a republic.
1: I, oh, right, because there's 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 like a president. <laughs> there's a president, and I mean, I you
0: I would just assume that people vote for legislatures from their home planets,
1: which right.
0: make up a representative body I mean, uh, to pass
1: laws, the... and there's a Supreme Court. I I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see anything like. Inherently liberal Like you could have A That sort of Political Architecture That could have the Any content to it
0: Oh that's true That's true I think um, It is just like You know It's very obvious That it's just You know Kind of made for It's an American TV show You know Because right. that's sort of What they see as like This is what Democratic politics are Is America
1: Right So yeah Despite the like Extremely self-evident Superiority of the Parliamentary system They just They just have a dumbass american division of power thing
0: right? yeah right yep you get you got the three branches and you got the president and
1: you got checks and balances <laughs> yes yeah.
3: whatever the hell that means yeah i think yeah so like they have these high ideals and i think there are specific characters within star trek that are definitely trying to reach those more than others yeah I think Picard would definitely be your very, like, arch, like, let's, like, not, like, export the revolution, but he's very, like, you know, the Federation is meant to bring, you know, our our goods, our, what we benefit from to the gap, to the world, to the galaxy, right? Like, to everywhere. Like, that's why he's so for, like, you know, at any cost, we will save the Romulan refugees. You know, at any cost, we will... You know, he's also very into following the rules except when, you know, the rules contradict that sort of motivation. Right. Like, you know, we are not going to use the cloaking device except because we have to, because that's the only way we're gonna get out of here and we we need to save the enterprise, right? Like
0: Yeah, he very he values the rules greatly, but he wants to break them if they uphold the principles and they, you know, save lives. That but... right. So there's there's an ongoing conflict between uh like ships captains and crew members with the top officials of the military who seem to constantly be trying to do these like insane like genocidal plans or like fucked up, you know, ways to break treaties. Uh and it's always like the captains and crew members of the ships who have to like stop the leadership from yeah, abandoning from from for foregoing the principles of the of the society.
1: Is there ever like some idea of a like middle officer coup, like a Hugo Chavez style like revolutionary <laughs> movement from the military type of thing? Honestly,
0: that's what the society really needs because <laughs> because like the admirals continue to fuck up. Like they you know develop that it's like the admirals in the in the presidents like develop plagues and assassinate people and violate the treaties all the time and and it's always. The officers. It's always like, yeah, the middle, the Hugo Chavez's who are who are having to stop them um, from uh, from
1: doing that. So, if if the basic question that we're trying to answer is like critical support for the United Federation of Planets, one relevant question, and we sort of just danced around it, is like, is this a deformed worker state? Is this state capitalist? Like, what is this? Thing, what sort of revolution would be necessary in order to correct whatever's wrong? Uh, because that, that, where it stands in that, would I think determine where our critical support would fall. To be like well, just origin, insufferably Trotskyist about
3: Posad- it. I mean, its origins, its origins are posadist, right? Yes. Oh, very much so. I,
0: when I, I I saw the one movie, Star Trek: First Contact, before I read about posadism, and when I read. Like, when I read it, I was like, oh, Star Trek is just the plot of Posadism. Because it's literally based... It, what were you going to say?
2: Oh, I just... The who are Posadists? The, the, whole, the whole, like,
0: the origin story. Oh, okay. Because it's basically uh, based on, after a, a global nuclear war on Earth, a rogue scientist, you know, in the ashes, capitalism and the societies that we knew is destroyed in the middle of the 21st century... And a kind of a rogue scientist uh, develops a warp drive out of a uh, abandoned nuclear missile that was just like left in a silo. And he turns, he creates a faster than light capable spaceship. He uses it to fly around. And then he's seen by uh, Vulcan, you know, he's seen by aliens who see, oh, these Earth people have advanced technology now. And they come down and introduce uh, the people of Earth to their advanced technology, and you know, bring them into the post-scarcity society that we uh, know and love today.
3: Right. So, <laughs> so, so I it's literally is-
0: out of the out of the ashes of a nuclear war, which destroyed capitalism. It created the basis for us to contact aliens. To- <laughs> gave us communism
1: right but that that doesn't answer the question like what is the political economy of the federation
0: yeah oh that's so you could say it's a, a certainly a like federal republic with post-scarcity war communism so resources are rationed, but your rations are so high for most things that you're never gonna run out or notice that oh i'm getting low
1: so is right, this, like like is there an underlying capitalist system that is directed by this centralized administration, or is all of that basically wiped out, and it would make more sense to describe it as a deformed workers' state?
0: Wait, say, say that again.
1: Like, like the fundamental difference between like state capitalist and deformed workers' state is: is there an underlying capitalist system of like commodity exchange as like the main way that, like? No. Goods are produced and distributed.
0: No, goods are produced and distributed uh, on the basis of everything just being created and giving and given to everyone,
1: right? Whether oh. they work or not, you don't need to. You don't need to work to get to survive. Okay, so in this case, there's no capitalism didn't we, I mean, we just sort of described the democratic structure, which I don't see anything like inherently wrong about. It doesn't sound like there's this sort of ossified bureaucratic layer that sort of forms a semi-class above it all. To so it, it
0: I, I would say comes? that the, the the top layer certainly enjoys more privileges. Like everyone doesn't own a, a massive winery estate <laughs> get to live on. Um, but at the same time, like the people who, the the whatever the working class the regular people certainly have everything that they that they could ever need all the entertainment all the food all the you can travel go on vacation to all kinds of exotic planets but there is definitely there is a hierarchy there's so but is there a class society yeah i guess is is hierarchy inherently a class society
2: it's somewhat different i think because uh class society does sort of hinge on Somebody is, the the mass of people are being exploited. Their uh, surplus labor power is being expropriated for, uh, in some way, and hoarded by the upper echelons. And that doesn't sound like that's what's happening here at
3: all. Well, one, one could argue, though, that, like the federation in its you know it, it's a very peaceful empire but when you know some bajorans described it as you know imperial in in some ways but that you know the you know the upper kind of admiral and presidential class uses the labor of others in starfleet cuz it seems like starfleet's really the only like where people are working kind of like you know people do have jobs on ships right like people do have things they do and one could argue that they're being exploited in order to spread the Federation, you know, to...
0: Certainly, yeah, a lot of them die, you know. The lower the lower classes always seem to die. They go down on the planet and uh, the captain always lives, but then the, the low-ranked
1: people always die. The, the expendable crewmen are the working class.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's...
1: Oh, man. That's
0: and then... the way to put it.
1: Dying, dying for the expansion of knowledge. Right.
2: Yeah. Right. It's <laughs> also the anti-democratic aspect of the fact that they have an entire secret apparatus that only like a tiny, tiny minority of those in power have any idea it even exists.
1: But if those people, but oh, okay, so if you have a democratic structure and the people at the top of that democratic structure are, and like Section Thirty-One or whatever the fuck it's called yeah. is is accountable to. A, de- a legitimately democratically elected position. I don't think that's undemocratic. Like, it's 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 not good, but it's. I don't know.
3: Yeah, but like, why does Section Thirty-One exist, right? Like, Section Thirty-One exists because, you know, is the Federation trying to? What is the Federation trying to do with regard to foreign or you know external powers? Are they trying to incite a revolution, or are they just trying to continue their own existence? I think that might be an important, like...
0: The Federation is trying to continue its own existence. I mean, I think, like, there's... They're not interested in bringing in every single planet into the Federation, and they don't want to... They know that they can't just go to war and and conquer, and, like, the other empires are are sort of at equal military strength
1: compared to them. It seems like there's a sort of principled anti-interventionism that's sort yeah. of b- baked into this military, baked into their sort of military ideology. Yes. Strong anti-interventionism and uh,
0: respecting of autonomy, uh, like sovereignty of of nations and empires, even ones that they view as autocratic and uh, despotic. So,
2: so the national question, but.
3: The
0: intergalactic question. Yes,
3: yes.
1: <laughs> the planetary national question, right? So, as a formulation, what like, what if we described this this society as like, this is very similar to something Gabe said a second ago, but like, democratic war communism, of like it is right. it is still it is a highly centralized, highly organized yeah um, structure, but it's still democratic, but it is sort of tightly bound, like there, like there are definite boundaries to it. It's not, there is not really world communism. It is still, they are still in a state of sort of suspended conflict.
0: Yeah. You can think of it like that, uh, you know, especially because like in, in this future, basically a country is a whole planet. Uh, Right. And so the planet of earth may be this communist society, but another planet a few light
1: years away is not. Mm -hmm. Okay, I mean in that case I would say yeah. Critical support for the United Federation of Planets as a sort of democratic war communist state. It is clearly like there like there's a dialectical process going on where the this this state is in interaction with all these other, you know, alien races and alien societies and it's like it's not It's not obvious that, you know, they should just like wage immediate sort of a revolutionary offensive against the Romulans and the Klingons and everybody just simultaneously. So they are concerned with the preservation of the revolution that they have created. Maybe they could be more aggressive. Maybe they could have more of like a sense of internationalism. Um, But, yeah, I would say ultimately critical support. Yeah, that makes sense to me.
2: Yeah, I'm on board, as it were. I'm...
3: I'm just a little bit hesitant with regards to Section 31 and their sort of position vis-a-vis, like, hey, we have replicators. Like, one could totally marshal Plan the fuck out of it and be like, we're just going to give out replicators. Like, that's just how we're going to that's how we're going to roll. And if anyone wants to stop us, then we'll fight them but, you know, that's going to be what we do, right? Like, why is that? Has that been considered? Or is there a political trend in the Federation that wants to do that?
0: It has, that has not been addressed. That? So uh, uh, you are, uh, as a viewer, you're supposed to assume that there are limits to their productivity.
2: Their ability uh, to reproduce the replicators.
0: Yes, their ability to replicate the replicators. <laughs> there are. <laughs> you're in- led to, okay. But
2: I, at the same time, it's never
0: exactly made clear... So theoretically, there could be this thing of, of hoarding and choosing not to, like, we don't want to just give out free stuff. But, but I think, like, realistically, I mean, even having whatever, matter, antimatter, power generators, there are ultimately going to be limits. And if you're talking about something that's thousands of planets and hundreds of billions of people... Um, you know i think i think it's fair to say that you can't just give everybody everything
3: right but like what's stopping the federation from say like leaking the plans for for a replicator to you know a member to an opposing state right like you know what if you know there's a there's a McKee equivalent in another state that they can say hey here's the plans for a replicator we can't really give you one cuz that still requires materials that we don't have we can't give you but if you guys want to figure this shit out, go for it.
1: Yeah, I don't
0: know. I mean, I think the situation with the Marquis definitely, is definitely highly problematic, just giving away your territory to another country. A bit like uh, the Soviets, you know, giving away Ukraine to Germany at the to,
3: as part of their peace treaty. Right. Yeah, yeah and Brest-Litovsk, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot of problematic things about it. It's like, yeah. it's
0: like, do you support, uh, was, was
3: Brest-Litovsk a good idea? Oh, man. Well, that's one of the things Trotsky probably screwed up. So, uh, um. And that doesn't, again, that's not the
0: end-all and be-all of the Federation, but that's like, you know, right. to, to end a war that you would not win, but you, to end like an, an attrition war, you give up some of your territory, including the people that live there. Um, and then you say, hey, people, don't don't keep don't resist. Don't resist, because then they might keep attacking us.
3: Yeah, okay, I'm, in, I'm inclined to give them critical support. I think there's obviously political aspects that we would all disagree with, um, but it doesn't sound like there's an ossified bureaucratic class, per se, you know, especially, you know, I think the newer, rec- you know, people in the lower ranks of Starfleet do have a strong... I don't want to I don't know if it's democratic culture, but they do have a very strong like this is what Starfleet is for that, you know, that resists against the upper levels of, you know, of the hierarchy. And I think that's positive. Um, It it shows that their volunteer military doesn't have this like, you know, like it's not analogous to volunteer militaries in our present world, uh, which would be problematic. I think if they're enti- if all of Starfleet were like that then then I'd start to have more questions. Um but yeah, I think broadly critical support. Room for improvement, but critical support. Critical. It's always critical.
1: <laughs> okay, so anyways, um are we are we in agreement uh critical support for the United Federation of Planets?
0: I believe so. Yes. Okay. Yeah
1: other things about star trek that we want to discuss keeping in mind that it's oh, it's after seven forty-five and we've been recording for almost two hours
0: no i think we did a long enough one and we recorded those other two segments as well right.
2: i i just have one um i i thought since we were referencing the uh handout or the you know the very helpful clips and description maybe we could also put that in the show notes a link to that in the show notes or something so that people have those available if they are particularly oh. interested
1: yeah that'd be cool if we want to just put a link to the google document yeah yeah we could do that as long like, as you're fine with everything you wrote in that
0: uh me. yeah i'm just looking through the only thing uh i mean i just say i'm not entirely sure how familiar everyone is with star trek I know Jacob has at least listened to some podcasts about it. Uh, right. that, that's the only
1: thing where it's like somewhat, I guess, personal. Uh, right. Which I, yeah, I don't really find that very incriminating. Yeah. Okay. The idea that I've listened to
2: some podcasts. Uh, yeah.
1: At least, at least, I think three. Yeah. <laughs> communist podcasts about Star Trek. Um, right. Well, we we don't listen to other podcasts, right? We only listen to this one. <laughs>
2: we could redact no, Jacob's name.
1: It's just. Preston Preston doesn't listen to podcasts oh that's right yeah the rest yeah. the rest of us do attempt to be remote be somewhat familiar with the medium in which we are you know
3: <laughs>
1: producing. <laughs> producing yeah uh,
3: you know Gabe's not totally wrong the only one I ever listen to is ours to check for content <laughs> 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 I'll i am and like i definitely enjoy it though like it's good like i'm doing dishes i'm cleaning my bathroom like it's really nice
1: to just have some audio wait some audio you listen to our podcast (laughs) while you're doing dishes
3: (laughs) because it's
1: well not
3: for the content
1: but i mean you are aware you could listen to someone else's podcast instead right
3: No, but I listen to ours for checking, for, like,
1: check, is this okay? Oh, right. Okay, okay, okay.
3: I don't listen to it to enjoy the conversation, Jacob.
1: I misunderstood what you said. I'm sorry.
0: Are we doing critical support for our own podcast right now?
2: (laughs) We should do that sometime.
3: (laughs) Critical support for critical support? I don't know, actually. (laughs) I'm pretty hesitant, quite frankly. Honestly, that would be...
0: mess if we ever have a last episode that's what we can do yeah
3: (laughs)
1: definitely oh man yeah definitely that would be that'd be some ruthless criticism of all that exists (laughs) we do a real
0: kind of maoist style uh
1: uh, self self critical yeah, yeah struggle session we need to wait until yeah we need to wait until we can all meet up again though so we can have one each one one of us at a time stand in the middle of the room <laughs> and we can like throw the microphone at them yeah
0: and we can just point at them and yell
3: shame 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 <laughs> counter revolutionary <laughs> capitalist what the fuck are you guys referencing right now is this the cultural revolution it's a
0: The secret that we know. They won't teach you this, the schoolhouse. They won't tell you, but it's so.
3: Without our muscle, without our brain, nothing would ever go. We run it
2: all.
1: We run it all. Hello, and welcome to Critical Support, your source for Highly conditional, heavily caveated, completely correct takes on basically anything. Uh, I'm Jacob. I'm Teresa. I'm Gabe. Preston. Oh, no. <laughs> All right, you first. I'm Preston. And I'm Gabe. Great, yeah. And so this week, we have a somewhat different type of episode. We have th- another themed episode. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that later. But first, we have... Uh, a couple of warm-up topics we are going to do to um, get ourselves potentially having fun, maybe.
2: <laughs> I'm not sure.
1: <laughs> I, I know a lot of times when we record, it kind of starts out a little, eh, a little bland, and then it gets better. So I think that's the general point. But anyways, so, Teresa, what is our first topic?
2: Okay, and now I'm second guessing myself as usual. Uh-
1: <laughs> just say it. Nope, nope. Just, just, just say it. Send it.
2: We'll it. okay. send. It's related to the topic we will do next. I don't know whether it's best to discuss it before or after. But, do we wish to ins- extend our critical support to the use of the term Karen?
1: Ooh. Oh, yes. Hundred <laughs> percent. <100%. sighs> I definitely think so. Yeah, I, uh, because it 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 has such a like uh like with boomer it has a like it's not inherently a class thing, but it has a class valence. So like when people are talking about some Karen doing some doing something shitty, they're talking about like some serious like middle class bourgeois nonsense.
3: Yeah, I think like upper middle class white woman, right? Like that's sort of the implication. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Recently, I heard Elon Musk described as Space Karen, and I thought that was wonderful.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so on the face of it, it's funny. What does it mean?
0: Well, I I think the reason to extend critical support for it is because even though there's this, you know, there is kind of a demeaning connotation to it, and I I imagine if you were actually named Karen... You know, it would probably make you feel kind of bad. But honestly, I mean, it's just, it's like the the demographic of upper middle class white women is just, is, is a group that is really not being systematically oppressed in such a way that we need to be very thoroughly considering all of our language choices and, and possible jokes or microaggressions or something like that. You know, it's like, it's fine. Like, I'm just not that worried about offending
1: the Karens. But what about the Bernie Bros, Gabe? I feel like they are they are doing patriarchy against the Karens. <laughs>
3: against the Karens, well... They are doing a patriarchy. Yeah, no, I, I think the reason why uh, I would critically support Karen as opposed to my past uh, skepticism of, say, uh, generational politics is because I think Karen is more explicitly class... I mean it's got class valence, but I think more, more so than like, okay, boomer does because Karen implies a certain class position that boomer doesn't necessarily, or that boomer only does now. But like, if you described boomers like 10, 20 years ago, it's got a different meaning than it does now. Whereas I feel like Karen is more universal. Karen's like, Oh, that.
1: The archetypal boomer is someone doing something dumb online versus the archetypal Karen is someone in a customer service situation.
3: Yeah. And I mean, I don't I feel like it's not explicitly it's not explicitly white women. Like my mom is definitely a Karen sometimes. <laughs> and Asian Karens, I don't know what we want to call Asian Karens, but they definitely bring the fire to poor customer service people. <laughs> <laughs> not all the time, but sometimes. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm struggling to think.
1: Like Kim, I guess. Like, I no, but that doesn't have the same. Anyhow, is there like, like, what is the, uh, what is the stereotypical name for like middle class, middle aged Asian woman? I feel like I don't, I don't actually know. Yeah,
0: I have no idea.
1: I mean, I just yeah, as, as if there is one in inter- turn, like, as if there are like Asian <laughs> names. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah.
0: Well, okay. And then that gets weird too, right? Being from, you know, three out of four of us not being Asian, it becomes like a, an out group thing. If we were to like find and use whatever the Asian equivalent to Karen might be. Uh, yeah. No. It, that's it does. a lot more. That's a lot more tricky because like, with white people being the dominant group, it's like a punching up thing. It's like there's not. You yeah. don't have to feel. You don't have to like wrestle with it internally. There's not, I mean, a little bit, but not
1: that much. Yeah, the the closest equivalent would be like uh, talking about whether Tiger Mom is racist.
3: Oh yeah, no, that that is probably, I mean, that's probably something we should discuss at some point. Um, no, yeah, all
1: yeah right. Right,
3: but yeah, no, that's I think that's a very close analogy. So yeah, but we can just say Asian Karens, which is I think covers the base just fine.
1: Okay, so we we acknowledge that uh the term karen as a type of person is uh, not inherently race bound there are there are karen's of every uh, description
3: karen's of every race yeah right there's oh. male karen's too i mean oh yeah i mean elon musk is space karen yeah male right. karen's right you
1: know okay okay yeah i mean so critical support for the for the term karen is there general Absolutely. agreement yep i'm with it Okay. I mean, I feel like this was not a hard sell.
3: (laughs) No, but it was good to explore. Important is
0: an important subject. Right. It was
2: mostly in light of that Facebook post that you were showing me earlier in the day. About how using the term Karen is the equivalent of using the term N-word.
1: Oh, right. It's one of those, like, Karen is the N-word of the white women or something like that. Right. Well, that's like, the joke is like, well,
0: if one word is like, you literally won't Say the word, then that's clearly the worst one.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, well, oh, okay. In this person's defense, their post did say did refer to the K word, and oh I... my god,
0: <laughs> nope. that that person's canceled <laughs> with the K,
3: canceled with the K. Yes, yes.
1: <laughs> oh man, canceled Karen culture. So,
0: okay, so we, we we got a we got a, a topic submission. Uh, a couple weeks ago, and, you know, we are a little bit slow to get to it, but I suppose it's it's about time, and I guess it is related to Karen's.
1: Um, kind of in an indirect sense.
0: Jake, could can you can you give us a, a brief overview of this of this topic?
1: I mean, honestly, probably not, but I'm <laughs> going to try, and then we're going to make a decision based on the highly incomplete and flawed information that I remember from reading uh, some kind of... Um, clickbaity news article about okay. two weeks ago um so there's this uh sort of celebrity chef named i think allison roman or ronan i think, roman. I think it's roman you think it's roman mm-hmm. okay allison roman who does like celebrity That's right. yeah uh, she does like celebrity chef things she has a cookbook whatever but she doesn't like she doesn't have a a brand beyond that she doesn't have a show like that that sort of deal and so she was giving an interview and the the person was asking her like okay what's next for you and she expressed like wanting to expand but not wanting to like turn her life into a like turn her life into a brand and she called out uh Marie Kondo and Chrissy Teigen as two people who she did not want to emulate the direction they had taken where like, especially with Chrissy Teigen, like she had a cook, like she was a supermodel and then she wrote a cookbook and then she now has like an entire lifestyle brand of shit. And then, Mm -hmm. um, so there was this whole controversy as like the, uh, Instagram hordes, uh, commanded by the great queen Chrissy Teigen pursued and attempted to, uh, destroy and cancel this person. And she apologized and blah, blah, blah. And it was, Bullshit, but um, yeah. Do we extend critical support to um, Allison Roman's criticism of Chrissy Teigen and Marie Kondo? That was that that was the topic submission that was given to us.
3: Okay, so wait, I, my first question is: When she's critiquing that, is she saying I just don't want to do that, or is she saying she thinks that's cheap or dumb or stupid?
1: That's the thing because in her initial criticism, she was pretty harsh about like it being kind of gross or ridiculous or something like that. And then when, but she backed her at that and said, "No, it's 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 actually fine. It's just not what I want for myself."
2: Yeah, and she was harsh in her uh, in her sort of presentation of her criticisms of them. uh, Kind of, but she did also point out uh, the sort of um, hypocritical character of Marie Kondo's brand line product line. In that, the her whole thing is about people getting less stuff. And so it's kind of ironic that she now is encouraging them to buy things from her.
3: Yeah, Mari I mean, Mari Kondo is a whole, I, we should probably have a whole critical support for Mari Kondo discussion because like, it's like the commodification of not having commodities. Like, it's really weird. <laughs> like it's-
1: It relates to our discussion of minimalism from a couple of months
3: ago, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, but anyhow, to the, so, okay, in the initial critique, she was very harsh um, to Chrissy, Teigen, and Mari Kondo. Okay, I'm reading articles about this right now. <laughs> like about,
0: you might have you mentioned this. On the yeah, I was like skimming through articles. So you, you, you might have said this, but it seems like a lot of the controversy is specifically because Alison Roman, in her critiques, she singled out two women of color and she's white Right? yeah that seems to be that seems to be like the biggest element that's making people the most mad about it and the most upset
1: about it i mean granted those are not two women who i don't know how to say this in a like remotely tactful or okay way but um (laughs) they're 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 pretty white for not for not being white they're pretty white oh damn you're about to unleash the twitter horde on us I don't think, like, okay, another thing I saw related to it was this is when a bunch of people found out that Chrissy Teigen isn't white because they just thought she was white, so. Oh, that's funny. Hmm.
0: I think it kind of reminds me of, like, uh, the controversy of, like, uh, Beyonce's clothing line being made in Sri Lankan sweatshops, you know? (laughs) And how people are, like, how dare you as a white person critique, you know, Beyonce for, you know, that, like... I mean, it's just sort of, it's, it's like, I guess, I don't know. To, to me, I just, like, don't see any celebrities as inspiring or humans. Like, I guess, like, to me, it's like once you reach a certain amount of wealth and fame and power, like, you're no longer a person whose feelings and labors I, I, I care about. Like, that doesn't mean I don't enjoy anything that's made or listen to any, you know, popular music or watch any big movies. But I just don't really care about the people at a certain point and their rights to be defended or whatever. But to me, this doesn't represent, like, such a a, a broad attack that it's, like, attacking the entire, you know, entire communities of color yeah. who are being represented by Marie Kondo or Chrissy Teigen.
3: Sure, but, like, I also feel like that's not a basis to
1: support someone, either, of, like... No, yeah, I just... Yeah. yeah. You're saying that uh, dis- being, being dismissive of, like... Paul corporate wokeness is not a sufficient basis for your <laughs> politics, Preston. <laughs> what? Sue me, you know, that's it. That's the um, end game of socialism. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 it is interesting though. In, in and it's there, there's an element of it. That's kind of like, this was a like very minor celebrity critiquing or not critiquing, speaking dismissively about a couple like, honestly, you know, some of the most prominent like, media personalities of, I don't want to say of our time, but, you know, these are... Cultural phenomena. Yeah, people who are very wealthy, very successful, going to be set for the rest of their lives. Right. Um, you know, they can take a, like, minor celebrity chef kind of being snide. It's not, you know...
0: Yeah, also, I mean, it's just, like, let's be honest, like, there's some people who love branded personalities and they buy those kinds of things and they're not going to be dissuaded from buying branded for buying personalities you know by some celebrity chef and the people who already are like yeah i don't like sellouts they're not you know they already don't like sellouts they already don't like people who are you know made their whole life into a brand so it just like it just Mm -hmm. seems like she's kind of staking out her sort of celebrity political position but I just I just can't see this like like her comments having any kind of meaningful impact uh, on either of their fortunes or celebrityness. Yeah.
3: Yeah, like it definitely is like making those comments is not is yeah, it's whatever, but also like keep it to yourself, like there's just no need for it either. It's it's, it, it's just kind of unremarkable on the whole.
1: Like, this <laughs> whole way. thing is unremarkable. Um, yes, yeah, so where where do we land on this one? I'm kind of ambivalent. I'm also ambivalent.
0: Yeah, I guess I'd have to say no critical support because I am so ambivalent. Like, critical support implies some level of support. Um, <laughs> it's in I'm the not, name.
3: Yeah, I'm
0: not does. I'm not against her, but I don't right. I don't support her either. So, I guess no critical support.
1: Same. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there's, there's some validity. Okay, I, I think that someone should be able to look at a famous person that, is, that has sort of taken one route that they could have taken and say, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't like that. I don't think that that's respectable. Yeah, I think that should be fine. So yeah, I would say critical support. Oh.
2: Yeah, I'm mm. kind of of the same opinion. Like, it's critical because she didn't really need to be quite as... Uh, harsh about it like that was maybe unnecessary but she could I, I, I agree that um she should be able to like differentiate herself from you know other people in the same uh sort of category of lifestyle uh influencers quote unquote um and say and you know it was a, it was a honest answer to a question about how she wanted to conduct herself in the future, what's next, whatever. And, you know, she was spe- speaking off the cuff about how, well, she doesn't want to do these things, and here are two examples of of this, of this that I want to differentiate myself from. So, yeah, I would extend critical support.
3: Yeah, I guess where I am is just like I might... It, it, it's fine to critique things. I mean, it's literally what we're doing. But... It's just like I just have no support for Roman, and it's so it's like I'm i really gonna support a New York Times, you know, cooking journalist. Uh, I mean,
2: have you looked up her cookbook? It's actually is it, like, is it really good? I did, and it looks it's really actually kind of cool. It's um, it's like something about unfussy entertaining, something along those lines, but like it looks. It's like they had a bunch of sample recipes, um, uh, and they looked awesome. It's basically how to, like, entertain without, like, having to buy really elaborate things or spend a ton of time in the kitchen or spend a ton of money, and they looked delicious. So, I I mean, I felt briefly uh, interested in getting the cookbook, but then it went away. Because I don't really mm. buy cookbooks, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah. So I guess that the point is to say that, like, as far as somebody in the cookbook world, she's uh, putting out non gimmicky and kind of useful stuff that looks like it's good. So, in my opinion, but your your points are still valid.
3: So this is going to be like the most. Dispassionate tie vote, I think we've ever had.
1: <laughs> well, okay, so are are you two sticking with your? Eh,
0: your you uh, know, what, honestly, um, you know, this just shows how little I care about the issue. <laughs> I because I'm I'm I think uh, Jacob and Teresa both made fantastic points, so I'm gonna switch
1: my vote. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, if you care about this, like if you really don't like this topic, then you'll not want to talk about it again, and a tie vote. <laughs>
0: Yeah. That honestly uh, occurred to me uh, as well, an additional <laughs> component of
3: my answer. Okay.
0: Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to no. It's a genuine, uh, you know, change of heart here.
3: Okay. I'm going to stick to no just for the reasons I cited, mostly because I think there's more, I don't know, independent cooking, you know, media sources that don't try to start beef with other bigger cooking media sources. Um but you know I'm I'm okay with this. I mean it's it's a no but whatever.
0: Well there you have it folks. Uh, go ahead and buy Allison Roman's cookbook.
3: Yeah, we're gonna she go is out
0: sponsored by us. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Man, it better be the other way around. I hope she sponsors us. Like this is like some free advertising right here.
0: So you gotta do the intro again.
1: No, we still have the Zoom thing.
0: Okay, but I mean, I guess it, it, yeah, okay, I guess. It would just be, it would probably be nice if we had them all, if we had an intro. Yeah. I
2: don't
1: okay.
2: It. It's easy, enough, right?
1: Okay, once again, welcome to Critical Support, your source for highly conditional, heavily caveated, completely correct takes. Hopefully this one won't crash.
0: I made him redo the intro, so he's upset about it.
1: My computer's stupid, and I bought a new one not that long ago, and I'm pretty annoyed that it's dumb. And it's like, I don't don't know what you have to do to get a computer that won't be stupid. I I don't know. Uh, Learn how to
0: code and get a Linux or something. Well, Preston, you have Linux. Are they dumb?
3: No, they're generally fine, but uh, there's not much in the way of applications about that
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's no garage band of linux and you know as i'm saying this there's some angry nerds i mean someone must have made something
3: oh yeah no uh, there's someone made something but it's uh they all have the same energy as uh uh well no not all of them i guess i'm just saying like open source development has a very like culty vibe like they're very like it is free because it should be free which means like a certain kind of people are writing that software i see so if you ever want to if you ever want to have a trip on like learning about the pioneers of free software you can learn about this guy named richard stallman who is um extremely eccentric
1: oh i've heard of richard stallman
3: you've heard of richard stallman
1: yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I have read every XKCD comic. I've, I've definitely heard of Richard Stallman.
3: Oh, okay. Gabe, you're on mute by the way, so... I've heard of him. I, yeah,
0: I realized. I was just gonna say I... Sorry, I have not heard of him was what I was saying.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a, he's a character. I think one of my favorite facts about him is if he's going to a conference, he would like to stay with someone who has a parrot, but does not specifically requests that if you don't have a parrot already you should not get a parrot but if you you know if someone does have a parrot he would prefer to stay there like that's in his rider like that is his statement of like anyway so uh.
0: <laughs> like let me crash on your couch for this conference It'd be great if you had a pair but don't get one if you don't already have one but i'd really prefer if you did <laughs> i'm richard som basically yeah. exactly that's very uh-huh. professional
1: <laughs> that's that's quaint that's cute you know that's if you're fun. going to tell people that you want them to have a parrot that is the best way to do it like that's that's, (laughs) that is is a very responsible way to go about making that request yeah yeah i
3: feel like we need to do like a critical support for richard stallman just because he is a pioneer of free software but he's
1: also fucking weird i mean we 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 just need to do a critical support for for open source at some point
2: what is the relationship between that him and xkcd
1: uh, XKCD often has content about open source software oh, okay. that sort of thing. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I didn't know who he was. I just heard the name.
3: Yeah. He's as weird as those comics say he is.
1: Well, speaking of computers. <laughs> oh, segue.
0: Yes. Our, our, uh, our, our theme for the episode is the fully automated luxury space communist society known as the United Federation of planets. Basically, this is our Star Trek episode. Cue theme song here.
1: Can someone hum it?
0: What?
3: Can you can you hum the theme song? I actually don't know it off the top of my head. Going where no man has
0: gone before.
3: Include random shots of Kirk shagging people, you know, <laughs> like
0: nothing like getting laid with a blue alien space lady or green or red, yeah, or we ready. don't care what color it is because this is Star Trek, they've moved beyond race,
3: mm-hmm.
1: right? Yeah, that's that. that is that is the exact degree of wokeness that early Star Trek is of like it'll 100% yeah. still be the like charismatic dude who every woman wants, but he's not racist, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that's about the level
0: it was. I mean, so the early Star Trek series is, is laughable in so many ways. Like, as even as a total nerd who has watched every single episode, I don't really enjoy watching the original ones because they're, like, so corny it's so campy and so cheesy. Like, I can only enjoy them if I'm just, like, really fucking blazed and just want to watch the <laughs> cheesiest thing ever because they're just that corny. But, like, I think it is important at least to... Acknowledge that they they did have a real impact in their time. Like, uh, the actress who played Ahura, who was, like, she was the Black lady uh, communications officer, she was actually going to quit the show, you know, to pursue other careers, uh, opportunities. Martin Luther King personally called her and asked her to please stay on the show because at the time, she was the only Black woman on TV who wasn't, like, a maid or something like that. You know, she was, like... An important crew member on this, like, you know, intergalactic spaceship that was like doing really important shit, you know. So, you know, for all its campiness, there's like still, uh, there's like, it had immense it, it something.
1: Yeah, there's progressive elements. And I think part of the problem watching the original, like, I've 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 probably seen more of the original Star Trek than I have of any of the others. Um, one of the first things that uh, my my dad. Uh, decided we all needed to watch when we got Netflix for the first time was a bunch of the early Star Trek. Um, <laughs> and so I've seen a fair number of the early episodes. And they're yeah. painful to watch. They're absolutely... Yeah. Like, it's 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 in the way... Like, TV used to be so bad. And it was yeah. all like that. It's like, every episode is completely self-contained. It's incredibly repetitive, incredibly low budget. All the, all the acting is super wooden and horrible.
3: My name is James Tiberius Kirk.
1: Yeah, and and that's basically the way all of it was. And so, you know, it's like there's the problem, there's all of the, like, the ways that Star Trek stood out from other shows at the time, but when you look back at it, what you mostly see is just the way that it's like every other show at the time.
0: Right, and so, you know, and and in the original one, too, it's like there's definitely a lot less, there's a lot less of a look into the sort of economics and politics of it, um there's a lot, it doesn't go, you know, as deep into the sort of society itself that, um, that exists. And so there's definitely like this, when they rebooted it in, you know, the, I think 89 with next generation, from that point on, there's a lot more, uh, coherency between all of the different series, as far as like political structures and economic structures, uh, The original one is a little bit more of a free-for-all and they sort of broke with, you know, the whatever, the canon that was established, canon in quotes, Mm -hmm. that was established in the 60s. But I think, like, uh, Preston sent a Jacobin article to us today that literally references Star Trek as, like, one possible, you know, reality for a future post-capitalist society. And I think it continues to you know, come up as in a, a vision for what the future can look like, you know, um, the society that they have created there. Did you guys have a chance to watch through
3: those clips that I sent? Yeah, I, I watched through it last night. Thanks for putting that together. It was pretty helpful.
1: It was, it was fun. Um, a lot of it was, like, really, I guess, uh, I feel like Star Trek as a show is very sort of, character focus like it's very much about like the interaction of these personalities the world building is very secondary and this is something i found intensely aggravating in the original watching the original series that like supposedly like uh mr spock has like no emotions or something yet the plot of almost every episode revolves around (laughs) him showing emotion and that being an issue And and, and 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 so like I, I, felt like I didn't actually get that much insight into the world that they're in from the clips because it was just so simplistic. And it's like I, having talked about Star Trek with socialists before, I, I kind of knew a bunch of it. Like I knew the gist. Like I, I knew what the the, the general gist of it was. Right. Um, but what I what I do think is worth appreciating about it is uh, the sort of pretty bold materialism of saying okay we're gonna have a replicator now and uh that's gonna actually completely change our society and make everyone like uh like change the political structure change the way people act change the like the basic the basic sort of way that our society operates because of our productive forces changing um right there, there's there's like almost like a vulgar marxist element oh there's
0: totally this marxist element going on which is funny because like the writers are so clearly not marxists uh probably not economists either of any sort or have probably never taken an economics class but there's this underlying like economic base of having nearly unlimited energy and a replicator that can create everything so that, that it eliminates you know most jobs factory
1: Transportation, you know. Um, I had a question about the replicators. Is it yes? Uh, what is it creating it out of? Like, is it just so, is it just like an energy uh, input, and the, then it makes anything out of energy, or? Yes. the 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 really
0: nerd theory is that they can convert energy to matter and vice versa. That's how the transporter works. That's how you teleport someone from one place to another is by converting their molecules into
1: energy. So it's like E equals M C squared, uh, fully realized, I guess. Right. So. In order for replicators to change to like revolutionize your society, you still have to have like an abundant source.
0: Yes, it's all dependent on this like just incredibly large amounts of energy, which comes from where? Uh, you know, they never really say exactly. So there's yeah,
1: like, there's, like what is what is the what is the engine of a, of the enterprise? How does that?
0: So it's powered. It's the warp core, is is what powers it. There's, like, some kind of mineral that, that powers it, uh, which is one of the few minerals that can't be... Um,
3: cannot be replicated.
0: Cannot be replicated. Um, oh, okay, so basically... So their ships are powered by matter-antimatter reactions. Um,
1: Where do they get antimatter?
0: <laughs> it's in space somewhere. Right. So, I mean, right, obviously, if we knew how to create an antimatter-matter reaction... We could be living in the Star Trek society, but we don't. So they just made it up. Um, <laughs> like, I think, I think the important thing to fixate on isn't, is this actually possible, right? Is it possible to have that much energy? And how technically could they do that? Because even if I knew, it's still fake. You know, it's still fake science. Even if... I, I'm sure some nerd has the answer to it that I don't have. But... So th- there's nearly unlimited energy, but it's not... Limitless, like you hear about the limits on it. Like uh, people have said, like oh, back when I was in college, I used all my uh, all my transporter credits to go visit my family every day, who lived on the other side of the world. Like so, they had like a rationed amount of times they could use the teleporter, the transporter, to go from you know one side of the planet to the other to visit their dad. Like they couldn't just transport everywhere unlimited times, and just you can't just create unlimited food for yourself you know like
3: so it's like it's pragmatic post-scarcity but not like true post-scarcity no
0: it's
1: post-scarcity
0: it's not there's no
1: scarcity it's post-scarcity at a point
0: well i guess i don't know i to me the word post-scarcity like scarcity isn't the same as limitless right yeah that's true like scarcity means there's not enough there's very little
1: well but if you're still like rationing uh transporter trips that seems like not exactly post scarcity
0: okay but like rationing to the point when he like went home for dinner every single day in college and that used up all his credits in like the first year or something but like like okay so you can make a daily back and forth travel from san francisco to paris like that's a lot of energy
1: that that sort of begs the question of like what else someone would use their ration for if that's, some, like, like if that's one thing you can use your transporter rations for, right. what else could you conceivably be doing with it?
0: Yeah, right. Besides I mean, going across the could... world every day. Yeah. Well, and it's sort of, it's, uh, you know, it makes it like, it's not a big deal to like go to a meeting or go get dinner in a different continent. But it's a big deal to do that every single day.
1: Okay. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that
0: makes sense. So like, I want to call, I want to call that, I would call that post-scarcity, but I would call it, I would not call it unlimited.
3: Yeah, that makes sense to me. Because I think scarcity implies that there's like a, like the main limit is something in the natural world, where really like the main limit here is just like, like how much can we do that? Or how much does it make sense to have that be a thing?
0: And I mean, also, obviously, I think a certain amount of it is like plot devices, like if anyone can do anything and create anything, well, there's no plot. I mean, it's just like some kind of weird... That's that's like a weird sci-fi utopia that would be a whole different story.
3: Right. Like, in the, in the clip you sent, it was like they literally could not create the ships to go save the Romulan refugees.
0: That's right. right. Yeah, so something like building a starship, uh, I guess, is apparently extremely resource-intensive. And so this is something that's in the new series Picard, which... Jacob, you might enjoy it because there does seem to be a lot more of the politics and world building.
2: I was actually uh, the one that was most enthusiastic about it after the, seeing those clips.
0: Oh yeah, it's great <laughs> because they finally uh, can swear in Star Trek. They can finally say
3: fuck because <laughs> uh, it's not on network TV. I guess. Right. Um, it's just on CBS All Access where no one will see it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Well, the nerds will will see it. Don't worry, the nerds. Will uh, Based on the comments, they don't seem to like it, but...
1: So, no, so I yeah, that's, like... that's why it was less interesting, because I'd, I'd, I'd heard almost uniformly that it was bad, but...
0: I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, so in that series, there's, like, the planet Romulus, is their, their star is going to go supernova, so they need to evacuate all the people from the planet. And they can't, like, they have all these ships to do it, but then uh, this big base that they have on Mars is blown up. So all their ships that they're going to use to go rescue the Romulans are blown up. So then all of the like member states of the Federation who already hate the Romulans as their enemies. Now that they say, well, now we don't even have the ships to do it anymore. So we're going to waste all of our resources and move every single ship, you know, over Romulus. Like we need to stop doing that. So like that's sort of the cracks in the facade of the socialist utopia that you want to see in Star Trek is Like, I guess it is very materialist in that, like, you know, the fight for resources and sort of them, like, Federation acknowledging, like, well, we're going to have this post-scarcity utopia for everyone in the Federation. But if your planet is outside, then you're on your own we're not helping you, you know. We're not taking care of you.
1: Yeah, that was sort of one of the questions I had of like, what is the overall political, like galactic political structure here? If if this, if replicators and warp drives and everything, sort of uh, completely revolutionized uh, all of the places in the Federation, what's going on elsewhere that they don't have this sort of egalitarian space communism thing?
2: Yeah. So sorry. Yes. I had, uh, uh, so
0: most like a number of the other ones are basically autocracies uh, where there's like one main planet instead of like the federation is set up as a membership system, like where planets try or apply to join and become a member state because the other ones are Imperial or more, I guess directly Imperial. So someone like, like uh, I guess the Klingons it's based on a, a home world, which goes out and conquers other people and then rules over them. And I mean I guess in a post scarcity society they don't need to conquer other people and take their stuff but
1: they do anyways. So do the Romulans have replicators? Um yeah I think, as far as I know. Then why don't they also live in a post No they do
0: but their their planet was just uh going to be blown up. So they had to get on No but like why why
1: why is Romulan society autocratic?
0: Um they are they live in, uh, you know, it actually would be more closer to, like, a Stalinist kind of state. Like, everything you see from Romulus, there doesn't seem to be a lot of, like, poverty. There doesn't seem to be, like, economic turmoil. But there, like, definitely is all this, like, secrecy and surveillance at the surface
1: level. So are the so. Romulans coded as the Soviets?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that would, be, that would be fair. Like, either Soviets or, like, maybe, like, fascists.
1: Right. What You were saying something a little bit ago, Tressa?
2: Yeah, so a, lo- a number of the clips were from a series was it Deep Space Nine? I'm not sure. I but, think so. Uh, yeah. That We're talking about the McKee or the McQuee or something. Yeah, yeah, what's, yeah. what's the backstory on them?
0: Oh yeah, that's a good one. Um, I have to move inside because... Yeah, we just lost audio, okay, by the way. Well, he's muted, so sorry, my phone battery, my computer batteries about to die so i gotta plug in
1: because you don't have a warp drive
2: (laughs) yeah
3: or wireless charging or anything cool
1: or a matter antimatter generator
3: yeah (laughs) sounds like a dangerous thing to keep
1: close to your crotch if you just had a replicator you could just make another laptop and then take yeah
0: i could honestly it's pretty it's it's pretty fucked up actually
1: (laughs) (laughs) i blame i blame capitalism (laughs) capitalism is the reason we don't have replicators Yep. Or is not having replicators the reason we have capitalism. Yeah, actually, it's it's more that one. <laughs> okay, the
0: Maquis. So basically, the Federation got into a war with a neighboring uh, empire.
1: With the Kardashians.
0: Kardashians. <laughs> yep. The Kim Kardashian, uh, and they basically, as part of their treaty ending, you know, their ceasefire, I guess, they uh ceded some of their territory on the border to the Kardashians. <laughs> Kardashian. And uh the result was that there was several planets with a bunch of Federation citizens um living there who were now uh being controlled by a hostile force that didn't care about them and, and wasn't gonna take care of them and was slowly trying to like uh displace them and annex, you know and replace them with its own citizens on those planets. Um, And so those people were sort of like, they were still Federation citizens, so they could like move through the Federation, but they all like, uh, you know, they kind of had a underground resistance going, which Federation doesn't like them because that's like violating their treaty. And they see that as, you know,
3: stirring up conflict when they're trying not to get into another war. So the McKee are resisting the Cardassian uh, Car- occupation, and the Federation doesn't want them to do that because that will drag them into another war? Yes. Okay.
0: But, but they, okay. but they basically live in, like, scarcity conditions. They don't, get, they don't have the post-scarcity utopia uh, because they're no longer in the Federation, and their new overlords don't care about them, you
3: know, to bring them in. Right, so that's why they have real food.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Although they do have real food on the ships, it does sound like. Like, you can, there are some places to grow some real food. But it's yes. not, you can't just it's do like a,
0: It's like a luxury. Uh, people are like, oh, the replicator food is just doesn't taste the same. So it's a moneyless society, which I guess people get some amount of money or credits to buy, like, luxury items that are, you know, beyond... Replicator Yeah Beyond what you've been allotted For example Captain Picard's family uh, Owns a winery In right.
1: France in, a, yeah. in, their, in their Post-capitalist Moneyless right. society His they family own owns a winery <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So you're you, You're saying that um, Plantation capitalism Will survive But only in southern France
0: <laughs> Only uh, Yes Only in southern France For wineries exclusively Okay. So here's another one. So uh, the Bajorans, which is, that's kind of a main part of Deep Space Nine, is they don't have, like, industrial replicators. They don't have replicator technology. So they still have farms and a bunch of farmers everywhere, and they're kind of poor. And one reason why they might want to join the Federation is so they can get access to that technology and get industrial replicators. And be able to transform their economy and that's sort of an ongoing theme in the show and the federation will just give it to them they like i guess i don't know a plot plot points uh (laughs) but i think it's it's implied that industrial replicators are
3: are hard to build
1: you can't just replicate them
0: one would think one would think
3: i think an industrial replicator you can probably create like a small replicator in that but you can't just Create them.
0: Yeah, that would make sense. Something big enough to to 3D print a starship, you know?
3: Well, I don't know. Wait, can you create a starship from an industrial replicator? Is
0: that... Actually, I don't know. They don't really get into how they build starships. So you see, there's there's a number of contradictions.
3: Yeah, like Section 31. Section 31 is crazy shit. Star Trek has a deep state.
0: (laughs) It's so deep that most people don't even know that it exists.
1: Right, so this is like the Federation's Delta Force or something. Yeah, or like secret CIA. Like, yeah, I'm thinking like secret police almost. Yeah, I couldn't quite tell whether it was supposed to be like a militarized thing or like the NSA.
0: Well, they all wear black, like a uh, like fucking you know SS or whatever the Nazi secret police. But the Gestapo. Um, so it's sort of
1: that's their vibe that they're trying to create. Uh, yeah, but it's like, are they are they military or are they intelligence? Or it's intel.
0: They- it's an intelligence
1: agency. Yeah. Okay.
0: It's not. It's not part of the military.
1: Right. So it's it's more. It's more. It's like extra. It's like secret CIA. Yes. Okay.
0: So it's uh, it's people at the very top of the government know about it, but they won't acknowledge it, even to like captains in in of whole ships. They won't acknowledge that it exists, uh, but they
1: know about it. And is it implied yeah. that this this Section Thirty One is like the real power in the Federation? No,
0: it's not. But it is implied that they have substantial capabilities.
1: But ultimately, do they answer to anyone, or like, are they just because the clip made it sound like they were just this wholly independent agency? That does whatever they want, but kind of doesn't mess with the rest of the Federation?
0: That's basically what it is, yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, they, 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 they do some of the dirty work uh, that would be awkward to acknowledge publicly that that's going on. You know, like going and assassinating the leader of a foreign country or developing a
1: plague that kills a bunch of people. Okay, right. So this is, this is the Treadstone Project.
0: Yes. Yeah. This is, J- this is where Jason Bourne would, would come from. Right.
1: Okay. <laughs> it's all, it's all making sense. And So up. they're not really running the show, you know, but. but no. Yeah. They're subsur- They're just like, they're, 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 they're too small to run the show. Like. Yeah, exactly. They're just, uh, whatever that, it's just like Brian Cox in someone's basement, uh, imprisoning people in, uh, cages full of water. Like,
0: right. But if they decide to kill you, they will kill you,
1: you know? Right, yeah. So don't get on their bad side.
3: I mean, is there an element of, like, the Federation leadership could totally expose them, and so they can't totally get out of line? Whereas, like, and on the other hand, like, Section 31, like, does need the Federation for legitimacy, and so they can't go out and do crazy shit. They just do some shit.
1: Yeah, is there ever a conflict between Federation leadership and Section 31?
3: So, um, there, there is...
0: Um, I'm trying to think like, so the problem is that like most people aren't even aware that it exists. Like they just learned about it because they, they tried to recruit one of the officers on the ship, but like, it wasn't even, it's not even the kind of thing where people are like, oh yeah, the government doesn't talk about it, but we all sort of know it's happening. It's like people literally didn't even know, like there wasn't even a, a suspicion of it. So, so the government like tries to keep it totally quiet, you know? So that's ultimately, they don't want, they don't want anyone to know that it exists. Um, so the conflicts that go on, you don't really hear about. Like there was a big kind of scandal because they developed a virus that would kill the leaders of the Dominion who they were at war at. And it was like, they basically created a biological weapon and had the capability to develop a cure for it but blocked all the research from getting out that they had about it and faked a bunch of research so that scientists who were trying to develop a cure were not able to create a cure. And that was you, as you learn in Deep Space Nine, it it was done with approval of the leadership of the Federation and of the military because they wanted it. They wanted to win the war and they thought, you know, this virus would be a way to do that. But so it seems like they mostly just work together and have them do their dirty work, and they would prefer that nobody knows that they exist or knows what's going on. Right. Because it would be damaging for government officials if it found out that they're like, you know, oh, hey, we have this beautiful principle of the egalitarian society, but there's also this other little group, you know, hmm. that's doing, uh, doing our dirty work for us.
1: What was the really early um, secret police in the USSR called? Like before the KGB, the Cheka? The Cheka, yeah, that's what it was. Wasn't that from uh, the Tsar? No, no. The oh. Cheka was established by the by the Bolshevik government to oh. so, like hunt down um, like white Russian collaborators and capitalist uh, infiltrators and um, what's the term, saboteurs,
3: sympathizers. Yeah. Yeah. So like. It's tough for me to sort of get a read, because, like, yeah, it's definitely one of those things where, like, within the Federation, things are generally pretty good, right? Like, hey, we got replicators, there is no want, you know, it's like when they, when Picard was dunking on those businessmen, that was pretty satisfying, you know, it's like, hey, you know, or when they were dunking on the Ferengi, trying to get off scot-free without rent. Um, Yeah,
0: when he was trying to bust his union.
3: Yeah,
1: exactly, right. Like that's cool, Ferengi. That were definitely not some sort of ethnic stereotype.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the vibe I get, and I,
1: it's unfortunate. But it's, it's like
0: very—it's okay. very goblins
1: from Harry Potter vibe. Yeah. yeah, I mean the workers in the shop though are also Ferengi, so they it's are, like yes. it's not—it's not like There's a the hierarchy. So
0: Ferengi and others.
1: True.
3: Yeah. It's—it's it's the multiracial working class. Yep. <laughs>
0: But, yeah, like, it's one of those things where, Yeah, so uh, there's problematic aspects, no doubt.
3: (laughs) (laughs)
1: In Star Trek? Really?
2: (laughs) What were you Uh, saying, Preston?
3: Yeah, so it's, like, within the Federation, things are, like, broadly good, you know? They're... You know, the material base is, you know, like, where they can provide for everybody. They have replicator technology. I think where things get very difficult for the Federation is when they start trying to, like, relate to the outside world and be like, hey, like, we want to have our socialism and communism here, but, like, we also have to do things in the world.
0: So they're very not
3: Trotskyists, like they're very much not,
0: uh, they do not believe in, um, they're they're very much socialism in one country, communists, you know, they don't believe in permanent revolution, Um, they're not interested in trying to spark uh, revolutionary movements to build replicators in societies to get them to join the Federation, they're, they very much want to just keep what we have here and allow well-developed planets to join us as they're able to, but they're not really trying to start conflicts and uprisings around the galaxy uh, to get new
1: socialist, you know, countries. So the Federation is (laughs) stalling. That's what you're saying. It's like uh, post- post...
0: in 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 that sense, so- in, it, it, they're not trying to spread the revolution, but they but – they, I mean there is like uh, freedom, you know, individual freedom and yeah. democracy
1: internally. Like actual – like what are the dep- – oh, sorry. What are the democratic structures of the Federation?
0: Uh, so, I mean, right, right, here's, here's where you see how liberal the writers are. Like what, basically their political system is like copied from the U.S. Um, it's like a republic –
1: I, oh right because there's 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 like a president
0: there's a president and i mean i you i would just assume that people vote for legislatures from their home planets which right. make up a representative body that's, I mean, uh, that, that's to pass
1: that's, laws and there's a supreme court i I, I, don't, I don't see anything like inherently liberal like you could have a that sort of political architecture that could have the any content to it
0: oh no, that's true that's true i think um It is just like, you know, it's very obvious that it's just, you know, kind of made for, it's an American TV show, you know, because that's sort of what they see as like, this is what democratic politics are, is America.
1: Right. So, yeah, despite the, like, extremely self-evident superiority of the parliamentary system, they just have a dumbass American division of power thing.
0: Yeah, right. Yep. you You got the three branches and you got the president
3: and...
1: got checks and balances. (laughs) Yes. Whatever the hell
3: that means. Yeah, I think, yeah, so, like, they have these high ideals, and I think there are specific characters within Star Trek that are definitely trying to reach those more than others. Yeah. I think Picard would definitely be your very, like, arch, like, let's, like, not, like, export the revolution, but he's very, like, you know, the Federation is meant to bring, you know, our, our goods, our what we benefit from to the gap, to the world, to the galaxy, right? Like to everywhere. Like, that's why he's so for like, you know, at any cost we will save the Romulan refugees, you know, at any cost we will, you know, he's also very into following the rules, except when, you know, the rules contradict that sort of motivation, right? Like, you know, we are not going to use the cloaking device Except because we have to, because that's the only way we're going to get out of here. And we, we need to save the Enterprise, right? Like...
0: Yeah, he, very, he values the rules greatly, but he wants to break them if they uphold the principles and they, you know, save lives. But... Right. So there's, there's an ongoing conflict between, uh, like, ships, captains, and crew members mm-hmm. with the top officials of the military, who seem to constantly be trying to do these, like, insane like genocidal plans or like fucked up you know ways to break treaties Uh, and it's always like the captains and crew members of the ships who have to like stop the leadership from yeah abandoning from from for going the principles of the of the society
1: is there ever like some idea of a like middle officer coup like a hugo chavez style like revolutionary (laughs) movement from the military type of thing
0: Honestly, that's what the society really needs because <laughs> because like the admirals continue to fuck up. Like they, you know, develop that it's like the admirals and the and the presidents like develop plagues and <laughs> assassinate people and violate the treaties all the time. And and it's always the officers. It's always like yeah, the middle the Hugo is who are who are having to stop them um, from uh, from doing that.
1: So if if the basic question that we're trying to answer is like critical support for the united federation of planets one relevant question and we sort of just danced around it is like is this a deformed worker state is this state capitalist like what is this thing what sort of revolution would be necessary in order to correct whatever's wrong Uh, because that that where it stands in that would i think determine where our critical support would fall To be like just insufferably trotskist about it.
3: I mean, its origins its origins are posadist, right? Yes. Oh, very much so. When I
0: I, I saw the one movie Star Trek: First Contact before I read about posadism, and when I read like when I read it, I was like, oh, Star Trek is just the plot of posadism because it's literally based. What were you gonna say?
2: Oh, I just the who
0: are posadists? the the whole the whole like the origin story. Oh, okay. Because it's basically uh, based on after a a global nuclear war on Earth, a rogue scientist, you know, in the ashes, capitalism and the societies that we knew is destroyed in the middle of the 21st century. And a kind of a rogue scientist uh, develops a warp drive out of a uh, abandoned nuclear missile that was just like left in a silo. And he turns, he creates a faster than light capable spaceship, he uses it to fly around, and then he's seen by uh, Vulcan, you know, he's seen by aliens who see, oh, these Earth people have advanced technology now, and they come down and introduce uh, the people of Earth to their advanced technology and, you know, bring them into the post-scarcity society that we uh, know and love today
3: so 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 it's literally is
0: out of the out of the ashes of a nuclear war which destroyed capitalism it created the basis for us to contact aliens (laughs) who gave us communism
1: right but that that doesn't answer the question like what is the political economy of the federation
0: yeah oh that's so you could say it's a a, certainly a like federal republic with post-scarcity war communism so Resources are rationed, but your rations are so high for most things that you're never going to run out or notice that, oh, I'm getting low.
1: So is, right, is like, like is there an underlying capitalist system that is directed by this centralized administration or is all of that basically wiped out and it would make more sense to describe it as a deformed worker state?
0: Wait, say that, say that again.
1: Like, like the fundamental difference between like state capitalist and deformed worker state is is there an underlying capitalist system of like commodity exchange as like the main way that like no. goods are produced and distributed?
0: No, goods are produced and distributed uh, on the basis of everything just being created and giving and given to everyone, right? Whether oh. they
1: work or not. You don't need to. You don't need to work to get to survive. OK, so in this case, there's no capitalism. Didn't we, I mean, we just sort of described the democratic structure, which I don't see anything like inherently wrong about it. doesn't sound like there's this sort of ossified bureaucratic layer that sort of forms a semi-class above it all. To so what it
0: I, I would say that the, the, the top layer certainly enjoys more privileges. Like, everyone doesn't own a, a massive winery estate <laughs> get to live on. Um, but at the same time like the people who the the whatever the working class the regular people certainly have everything that they that they could ever need all the entertainment all the food all the you can travel go on vacation to all kinds of exotic planets but there is definitely there is a hierarchy there's so but is there a class society? Yeah, I guess is is hierarchy inherently a class society?
2: It's somewhat different, I think because uh class society does sort of hinge on somebody is the the mass of people are being exploited, their uh, surplus labor power is being expropriated for uh, in some way and hoarded by the upper echelons, and that doesn't sound like that's what's happening here at all. Well,
3: what one, one could argue though that like. The Federation, in its, you know, it's a very peaceful empire. But when, you know, some Bajorans described it as, you know, imperial in in some ways. But that, you know, the, you know, the upper kind of admiral and presidential class uses the labor of others in Starfleet because it seems like Starfleet's really the only like where people are working. Kind of like you know people do have jobs on ships, right? Like people do have things they do. And one could argue that they're being exploited in order to spread the Federation, you know, to...
0: Certainly, yeah, a lot of them die. You know, the lower the lower classes always seem to die. They go down on the planet and uh, the captain always lives, but then the, the low-ranked people always die.
1: The, the expendable crewmen are the working class.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's... Oh, man. That's then... the way to put it.
1: Dying, dying for the expansion of knowledge. Right.
2: Yeah. Right. <laughs> they're, they're, it's also the anti-democratic aspect of the fact that they have an entire secret apparatus that only like a tiny, tiny minority of those in power have any idea it even exists.
1: But if those people, but oh, okay, so if you have a democratic structure and the people at the top of that democratic structure are, and like Section Thirty-One or whatever the fuck it's called yeah. is is accountable to. A, de- a legitimately democratically elected position. I don't think that's undemocratic. Like it's 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 not good, but it's I don't know.
3: Yeah, but like why does section 31 exist, right? Like section 31 exists because you know, is the federation trying to what is the federation trying to do with regard to foreign or, you know, external powers? Are they trying to incite a revolution or are they just trying to continue their own existence? I think that might be an important like
0: the federation is trying to continue its own existence i mean i think like there's they're not interested in bringing in every single planet into the federation and they don't want to they know that they can't just go to war and and conquer and like the other empires are are sort of at equal military strength compared to them
1: it seems like there's a sort of principled anti-interventionism that's sort yeah. of b- baked into this military, baked into this sort of military ideology. Yes. Strong anti-interventionism and uh, respecting
0: of autonomy, uh, like sovereignty of of nations and empires, even ones that they view as
3: autocratic and uh, despotic. So, So the national question, but... The intergalactic question. Yes. Uh, yes.
1: <laughs> the planetary national question, right? So as a formulation, what like what if we described this this society as like this is very similar to something Gabe said a second ago, but like democratic war communism? Of like it is right. it is still it is a highly centralized, highly organized yeah. um, structure, but it's still democratic, but it is sort of Tightly bound, like there, like there are definite boundaries to it. It's not, there is not really world communism. It is still, they are still in a state of, sort of, suspended conflict.
0: Yeah, you can think of it like that. Uh, you know, especially because, like in in this future, basically, a country is a whole planet. Uh, right. And so the planet of Earth may be this communist society, but another planet a few light years away is not. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, I mean in that case I would say yeah, critical support for the United Federation of Planets as a sort of democratic war communist state. It is clearly like there like there's a dialectical process going on where the this this state is in interaction with all these other, you know, alien races and alien societies and it's like it's not It's not obvious that, you know, they should just, like, wage immediate sort of a revolutionary offensive against the Romulans and the Klingons and everybody just simultaneously. So they are concerned with the preservation of the revolution that they have created. Maybe they could be more aggressive. Maybe they could have more of, like, a sense of internationalism. Um, But, yeah, I would say ultimately critical support. Yeah, that makes sense to me.
2: Yeah, I'm on board, as it were. I'm...
3: I'm just a little bit hesitant with regards to section 31 and their sort of position vis-a-vis like hey we have replicators like one could totally marshal plan the fuck out of it and be like we're just going to give out replicators like that's just how we're going to that's how we're going to roll and if anyone wants to stop us then we'll fight them but you know that's going to be what we do right like why is that has that been considered or is there a political trend in the federation that wants to do that it, it has not been addressed that.
0: So, uh, uh, you are, uh, as a viewer, you're supposed to assume that there are limits to their productivity.
2: Their ability uh, to reproduce the replicators.
0: Yes, their ability to replicate the replicators. <laughs> there are. <laughs> you're okay. led to, but I, at the same time, it's never exactly made clear. So, theoretically, there could be this thing of of hoarding and choosing not to, like, we don't want to just give out free stuff but but i think like realistically i mean even having whatever matter antimatter power generators there are ultimately going to be limits and if you're talking about something that's thousands of planets and hundreds of billions of people um you know i think i think it's fair to say that you can't just give everybody everything
3: Right, but, like, what's stopping the Federation from, say, like, leaking the plans for for a replicator to, you know, a member, to an opposing state, right? Like, you know, what if, you know, there's a there's a McKee equivalent in another state that they can say, hey, here's the plans for a replicator. We can't really give you one because that still requires materials that we don't have, we can't give you. But if you guys want to figure this shit out, go for it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I mean... I think the situation with the Marquis is definitely is definitely highly problematic. Just giving away your territory to another country, a bit like uh, the Soviets, you know, giving away Ukraine to Germany at the to as part of their peace
3: treaty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And Brest Litovsk. Right. That's Yeah. I mean. Yeah. There, there's a lot of problematic things about it. it it's like yeah. it's like do you support? Uh, was was Brest Litovsk? A good idea oh man well that's one of the things trotsky probably screwed up so uh, um and that doesn't again that's not the end all and be all of the
0: federation but that's like you know right. to to end a war that you would not win but you to end like an, an attrition war you give up some of your territory including the people that live there um and then you say hey people don't don't keep don't resist
3: don't resist because
0: then they might keep attacking us
3: yeah, okay, I'm in, I'm inclined to give them critical support. I think there's obviously political aspects that we would all disagree with. Um, but it doesn't sound like there's an ossified bureaucratic class per se, you know, especially, you know, I think the newer rec- you know, people in the lower ranks of Starfleet do have a strong de- I don't want to I don't know if it's democratic culture, but they do have a very strong like this is what Starfleet is for that you know that resists against the upper levels of you know of the hierarchy and I think that's positive um, mm-hmm. it it shows that their volunteer military doesn't have this like you know like it's not analogous to volunteer militaries in our present world uh, which would be problematic I think if they're enti- if all of Starfleet were like that then then I'd start to have more questions um but yeah, I think broadly critical support, room for improvement, but critical support.
0: Critical, it's always critical.
1: <laughs> okay. So, anyways, um, are we are we in agreement? Uh, critical support for the United Federation of Planets. I believe so.
0: Yes. Okay. Yeah.
1: Other things about Star Trek that we want to discuss, keeping in mind that it's oh, it's after seven forty-five and we've been recording for almost two hours.
0: No, I think we did a long enough one, and we recorded those other two segments as well. I
2: I just have one. Um, I, I thought since we were referencing the uh, handout or the, you know, the very helpful clips and description, maybe we could also put that in the show notes—a link to that in the show notes or something—so that people have those available if they are particularly oh. interested
1: yeah that'd be cool if you want to just put a link to the google document yeah yeah we could do that as long as you're fine with everything you wrote in that
0: uh yeah i'm just looking through the only thing uh i mean i just say i'm not entirely sure how familiar everyone is with star trek i know jacob has at least listened to some podcasts about it uh right that's the only thing where it's like
1: somewhat i guess personal uh Right, which I, yeah, I don't really find that very incriminating. Yeah. Okay. The idea that I've listened to
2: some podcasts. Uh,
1: yeah. At least, at least I think three yeah. <laughs> communist podcasts about Star Trek. Um,
0: right. Well, we, we don't listen to other podcasts, right? We only listen to this one.
1: <laughs> we could reject
2: no, Jacob's name.
1: It's just Preston. Preston doesn't listen to podcasts. Oh, that's right. Yeah. The rest, yeah. the rest of us do attempt to be remote, be somewhat familiar with the medium in which we are, you know, <laughs> producing, <laughs> producing. Yeah, uh,
3: you know, Gabe's not totally wrong. The only one I ever listen to is ours to check for content. <laughs> 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 I, I am, in, like, I definitely enjoy it though. Like, it's good. Like, I'm doing dishes, I'm cleaning my bathroom. Like, it's really nice to just have. Some audio. Wait, some audio. You listen to our podcast (laughs) while you're doing dishes? (laughs) Because it's, well, not for the content.
1: But I mean, you are aware you could listen to someone else's podcast instead, right?
3: No, but I listen to ours for checking, for like, check, is this okay?
1: Oh, right. Okay, okay, okay.
3: I don't listen to it to enjoy the conversation, Jacob.
1: (laughs) I misunderstood what you said. I'm sorry. Are we doing critical
0: support for our own podcast right now?
3: (laughs) We should do that sometime. (laughs) Critical support for critical support? I don't know, actually. (laughs) I'm pretty hesitant, quite frankly.
0: Honestly, that would be a mess. If we ever have a last episode, that's what we can do. Yeah,
1: definitely. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, definitely. That would be... That'd be some ruthless criticism of all that exists. You
0: know? <laughs> we do a real kind of Maoist style uh, uh, self
1: self critical.
2: Yeah, yeah. struggle session.
1: We need to wait until. Yeah, we need to wait until we can all meet up again, though, so we can have one each one one of us at a time stand in the middle of the room, <laughs> and we can like throw the microphone at
0: them. Yeah, and we can just point at them and yell, "Shame, shame,
3: shame! <laughs> Counter revolutionary, <laughs> capitalist!" What the fuck are you guys referencing right now? Is this the Cultural Revolution or Maoist struggle sessions? Yeah, I, 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 I even as the token Asian person here, I don't understand Maoist struggle sessions.
1: <laughs> you're you're better off for it. It's not important. Well,
0: okay. it was a Cultural Revolution thing, right? Of like,
1: yeah,
0: people would have to stand and denounce themselves and all of the. I don't know, mistakes or counter-revolutionary things that they had done or thought or said Revision,
2: thought or revisionist said. tendencies. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's, 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 it's a tradition that was carried forward by some Maoist organizations. of uh, th- this idea that like when someone has done something wrong, you have a struggle session where like you tell them everything you don't like about them and they process that and resolve to be better or uh, something. So it's know.
2: like, so it's like, uh, what is it? Re something Justice. Uh,
1: restorative, just- restorative
0: justice. <laughs> restorative justice. Restorative
3: yeah. justice. Okay. Critical support for Maoist struggle
1: sessions is restorative justice. Fuck off. Fuck when off. you park in the wrong spot, you have to go to a struggle session. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you get a little ticket that assigns you to go to a struggle session. No. Someone just—they
0: just tell you you have to. You don't. It's not on paper. <laughs> Or it's a it's an impromptu struggle session. The people on the street around you form a revolutionary uh, community-based, non-hierarchical,
1: on-the-spot struggle section. Okay, I feel like you're it's just describing a mob, but okay.
2: <laughs>
0: no, this is different.
2: Okay. <laughs> The only thing that I feel like is missing is, re- is a reference to your postmodernism, Gabe. <laughs> but that's okay. We can leave that on.
0: The show's canon. Okay. I'm no longer postmodernism. I'm post-scarcity. <laughs> it's good to see you moving in a positive direction. <laughs> moving to where no man has gone before. <laughs> the final frontier. These are the voyages of the podcast critical support. <laughs>
1: <laughs> on a on a five year mission to uh, discover correct takes,
2: <laughs> correct perspectives.
1: <laughs> okay, well said. It. Do we have other? Yeah. other matters. Um, once, as always, if you want to hear uh, the correct take on anything, any show, any extended cultural artifacts, uh, you can email criticalsapodcast at gmail.com. Um, yeah, and we will cover it eventually. Like you saw us covering with the incredible... Uh, finesse and close attention that we paid to the uh, Alison Roman, uh, Marie Kondo, Chrissy Teigen controversy.
2: Also, thank mm-hmm. you for that contribution.
1: Yep. Yep. We look forward to more.
2: Yes.
0: Uh, I guess uh, I'll stop recording. Okay. Okay. Yep. Bye, everyone.